This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the Packet 8 toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there, we give them away. Those other radio talk show hosts, they want to charge you for access to their website, so enjoy ours for free at freetalklive.com. I'm going to start out with a story about, well, it's actually um, something that legislators have done before, something that lawmakers have tried in the past, as I understand it. And, Wayne, you're bringing the story to us out of Idaho? Yes, uh, there was a story yesterday in the New York Times called The Rifle in Every Pot, uh, where they're uh, basically looking at Idaho, a town called Greenleaf, Idaho, adopted Ordinance 208, calling for its citizens to own guns and keep them ready in their homes in case of emergency. And it's not response to, in response to high crime rates. Uh, as the Associated Press reported, Greenleaf doesn't really have crime. The most violent crime offense reported in the last two years there was a fistfight. Rather, it's a statement about preparedness in the event of an emergency and in an effort to promote a culture of self-reliance. It may not be a bad idea either. Uh, while the gun, uh, pro-gun laws, uh, like the one in Greenleaf, are mostly symbolic to the extent that they actually make a difference, uh, it's likely to be a positive one. Hold on a second. So it's symbolic, or they are requiring all Greenleaf residents to own weapons? They are, but who knows if they'll enforce it. But the point is, it's symbolic in the sense that I think they're trying to make a statement here. Well, it seems like they're trying to make a statement, but um, I guess I'm a little concerned because I, I think it was Kennesaw, Georgia. Mm-hmm. They tried mm-hmm. this in the past, and I don't think that the law is still on the books. I'm not positive on this. But they did require everybody, as I understood it at least, they did require everyone to own weapons. And that's not a solution that's very American. Um, that's kind of disturbing to me. What if I don't want to own a weapon? What if I feel uncomfortable about owning firearms? What if I'm mean, now personally I don't. I I do have firearms, but it was a voluntary choice for me. I don't think that I would really appreciate being ordered to bear arms. You know, um some ordinances they don't take into consideration everything, so they'll just slap a um you know a a mandate out there like every adult male or every household has to have a gun. Well, what if I'm a convicted felon? I can't obey the ordinance and obey the state law that says that I can't own a gun. Mm. That 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 produces a sticky situation that I'm going to have to pay money in all likelihood to um, sort out. Right. So if, if it comes to it, it's a very interesting dilemma because on one hand you want to promote self-sufficiency and gun ownership, at the same time I really don't want to be told I have to do it. I want to do it voluntarily. Exactly right. But uh, what did you say the motivation was um, to sort of head off the crime problem at the pass? Well, no, there's not really a high crime problem, but I think they want to promote a culture of self-reliance. They want to go back to self-reliance and responsibility and less reliance on government for protection. And I think it was a symbolic gesture on their part to pass this ordinance. I don't think it's going to get strictly enforced, but... I find it interesting. Well, it doesn't sound like they've got the police force to enforce it anyway, and that's one of the reasons why they want every household to have a gun. Mm. Okay. And I'm, I'm with them. I think that every household, you know, if, if you want to have a gun in your household, you should be able to have one. Well, I absolutely well, agree. Well, yeah, criminals would rather break into a house uh, where they're not at risk of being shot. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it that, uh, that having firearms is, is definitely going to keep you safe, especially in the event of some sort of a break-in or violent encounter uh, with a with a criminal um, in your own home. There's no doubt that having a, a firearm is going to contribute to you having a longer life. 
Um, I, so I agree completely. It's just that I get really bothered when I hear about laws like this where lawmakers are uh, attempting to live your life for you and make your decisions for you. And I understand it's symbolic, but it, it many legislators, uh, lawmakers, they don't bother with symbolism. They just go ahead and pass a law that mandates a certain behavior or mandates against a certain behavior, and we all have to live by it. And for instance, Mark, you and I were in, uh, in Concord, New Hampshire today, mm-hmm. and I'm still a little bit loopy from it all because I was uh, catching up on a nap. But but we were there for hours and hours in this hearing uh, about marijuana. There's a measure that has been proposed that will essentially decriminalize marijuana in the state of New Hampshire. And so Mark and I, we headed up to Concord along with another a number of other Free State Project members and other liberty-oriented people. And, just and that people, ilk. And people that just um, find this issue important mm-hmm. as well. So there was a wide uh, cross-section of political interests involved here. There but were... I would like to say that there were, it seemed to me, just the largest representation were people that would uh, call them, label themselves libertarians. Sure. And, and the organizers you, but, but can were you imagine, Free State Project members. You know, the, how many people out there um, smoke pot in New Hampshire, 10% according to the numbers, and where were they? Once um, again, libertarians fighting for people's freedom, and they don't care. Okay, I, yeah, I see where you're coming from. Um, what did you expect to see, Mark? I mean, no, exactly what I saw. I mean, we had they had to move the meeting to another room because it was so such a big turnout. It was a big turnout of libertarians. I mean, that's what I'm. That's the only point I'm making uh, is that oh, okay. it's libertarians out fighting for people's freedom, and they they don't care. Well, okay, yeah, it was mostly libertarians, yes, but there were also uh, there was also somebody there from the Republican Liberty Caucus. I guess he's, he's a libertarian. libertarian. Uh, th- there was a guy who was a Democrat there. And uh, who was that? Um, Charlie Jazz. Okay, you're right. It's not always easy to get off work. Just like if the meeting were tonight at seven o'clock, you guys wouldn't be able able to to attend either. So anyway, we went to this meeting, and uh, they they're looking at removing the penalties um, from possessing and distributing and buying and selling marijuana. And uh, it was great. I, I was really pleased at how many people actually turned out in this case to stand up for freedom in what was a very short notice event. Uh, the news about this bill only came out last week, and the New Hampshire Coalition for Common Sense, which is a, a group started by Free State Project members, the, an organization that uh, New Hampshire Coalition for Common Sense Marijuana Policy is the full name of the group, it was essentially a group that had been working on They'd been working on forming it for the past couple of months, and it was just, they were just sort of taking their time with it. Nothing was really being rushed. And then all of a sudden, this marijuana bill drops in their lap, and that was just like the uh, the boost of energy that they needed to get this organization up and running uh, much faster than they'd, they'd initially planned. And so within a matter of days, they had this group up. There, uh, There's a website online, nhcommonsense.org. They've got a petition with over 100 signatures on it. Um, they've been reaching out to people in different areas of the state, getting in touch with them, asking them to contact their legislature and or their legislators. And it's just been an, just an amazing response on the part of uh, on the part of people in, in a short time. And I think it I think it's great and, I, and it really makes me uh, pleased for what's going on here in, in New Hampshire as uh, as part of the Free State Project with how many people considering the the small, relatively small amount of people that we've moved into the state approximately 150 people have moved in as part of the free state project 
and there was a good a good amount of those 150 in in the room today. Yeah, and you know there was a a small victory to be had. Um, you know what they could have done um, to to sort of prove their point that they're not going to. Uh, legalized marijuana is they they could have just brought it to a vote right then in committee and and quashed it and that would have been it but instead they sent it off to a subcommittee for mm. studying and um and you know that's where the amendment for quashing yeah mm. I, I don't know i mean it, you know as well as i do there's five people on the committee and we know for sure that two of them were friendly to the um i'd say one idea. of them was really friendly yeah and the other I, I, we spoke to we spoke to the other guy yeah. um the 19 year that's what I'm talking about. There's this kid on the on the the panel, young guy. Yeah, and it, it, amazing. Um, a, a 19 year old le- legislator, and uh, and it just goes to show what young people can do here in New Hampshire. That's true, which uh, which I found really impressive, and it backed up my theory as well that you can be a young person and be successful in the political realm simply based on the fact that you're a young person. And he confirmed my suspicions, and that is that if you're running for office, for a local office, as somebody who's under the age of, say, 26 or 25, they're going to pay attention to you simply based on the fact that you're not over 60 and you are interested in politics. And sure enough, that's what he told us. He said that he got news coverage based on the fact that he was young, and he walked away with over 400 votes more than his competitor. And, and if that doesn't sound like a lot, there was only something like 1,500 votes cast in the race. 1,900, right. 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. You can take control of the airwaves. This is your show, 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. The packet 8.net toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there, we give them away, and that does include archives. An entire year's worth of the show right there on the front page of the website for your download and convenience, freetalklive.com. And what's your liberty issue? Is it the war on drugs? Well, register now for the February of 2007 New Hampshire Liberty Forum. Speakers to include Jack Cole, who we actually got to see speak today. We did, and he was amazing. He was very persuasive. Uh, Executive Director of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. And Rob Campia, Executive Director of the Marijuana Policy Project, as well as New Hampshire residents who are working to end the war on drugs. Freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. That is freestateproject.org. Slash Liberty Forum. So, Mark, you were lamenting the fact that there weren't as many pot smokers today turning out in uh, in the courtroom in favor of this legislation that is uh, has been proposed that would essentially legalize marijuana or decriminalize marijuana in the state of New Hampshire. And I have to say that, I, first of all, I, I understand why there weren't as as many of them there. It's just a matter of short notice. Bad infrastructure amongst uh, the the or, the organizers, as far as the those who supported the bill, those who supported the legislation. They you know, they they had a, a handful of days to put this together, and it was we're fortunate enough that they were able to do what they did, launch a website, and get the word out to as many people as as they could. There wasn't a lot of notice here. They just sort of had this law get thrown in their lap. On, I think it was Thursday of last week or Friday of last week, and then they put it all together over the weekend, and then there we were today in in that uh, that hearing room. And all things considered, I thought the turnout was 
was very good. I think the turnout um, was, you know, it was good. Uh, you know, if it had been any longer, I sure wouldn't have wanted to stay for the end of it. Oh, yeah. We were in there from, uh, what, what time did that start? That was... 10.30. All right, so 10.30 was when the hearing started. There was a press conference at 9.30 before mm-hmm. that. And there was a meeting at 8.30. And then, uh, so 10.30 to 1.30, when it was three hours, it was just grueling. But, you know, it was government. The things moved slowly. But nonetheless, they were fairly, uh, the, the the elected uh, representatives were actually fairly open-minded, I thought, towards some of the people who were speaking up there. The The majority of the speakers were speaking in favor of decriminalizing marijuana. That must have been a first. And the police, the attorney general, I mean, the people that we were that were opposing the measure were chief of the chiefs of police, the attorney general's office. Who else uh, opposed it? There was pretty much those two groups. Then there was another there was another cop. And then there was uh, there were, uh, I guess, other there was a few other people involved. But for the most part, it was just a handful of people that was against. And most of them were paid to be there. That's true. They were on the clock. Yeah, and whereas nobody from uh, on the opposing side, our side, was. And all they did, uh, the people who opposed the measure, all they did was get up and read prepared statements from their departments. Like the first guy that got up was from the attorney general's office. He comes up with some prepared handouts and essentially just the the talking points from his bureaucracy. He came up there with the operation or the ONDCP, the National Office of National Drug Control Policy, and just handed out their propaganda to these people. Oh, the other guy who was against it was one of the representatives. So there were three That's representatives great. that sponsored it. Another guy got up there and handed out some some handouts as well. And the, we could see it from where we were sitting. What it said, it said drug deaths by year, and it was a chart. And you could see the the number of drug deaths was climbing and climbing, and it, and he, he cited statistics of over 100 people dying from drug deaths in New Hampshire. And thankfully, one of, and I immediately thought to myself, what? Uh, there aren't even 100, there are barely 100 people that die of overdoses in a year's time in the nation, in, in the United States. How can this be and possible? And what drugs are they referring to? It sounds like they're painting this with a very broad brush. Exactly. And, which was, of course, not fair. This is a hearing on marijuana. But, you know, I think that if you come in there w- impassioned with, with truth and, and with a good argument, it, it's much more persuasive than just reading off a bunch of talking points to somebody. Yeah, and there were comments afterwards that uh, people weren't really too impressed with what the police had to say. And when they were pressed on their information, when they were asked questions that might have stepped just a little bit outside of their prepared talking points, they were helpless. Yeah. I mean, it it, it seemed to me that, uh, you know, the, the pro-legalization uh, side was articulate, uh, well-spoken, had a great deal of points to bring, and the, uh, you know, keeping it legal side were a bunch of bumbling boobs. Yeah, uh, they were like po- robots, yeah. just no. re- re- repeating the same old points over and over again. Does this also include the ability to grow industrial hemp in your, in your, on your property, too? This law strikes marijuana from uh, the word marijuana from the laws in New Hampshire. So it essentially would make it a, uh, a nullified situation where there aren't laws necessarily saying you can grow marijuana. There also aren't laws necessarily saying you can't. So it would be de facto legal um, or decriminalized, whatever word would uh, would describe it better. But I just was uh, was really impressed with the the people who turned out and spoke today. I actually took the stand at one point, um, and I spoke out against the measure. 
Um, I took the, uh, the position that uh, organized crime, I essentially was representing organized criminals um, on the stand because they don't really have a voice in government. And so I figured <laughs> it was... Thank you know, God. Yes, it was they do. Order. They pay off the officials. No, but they don't actually ever show up and, and testify um, on their, their own behalf. So I figured I'd do it for them. And I got up there and pointed out that, you know, this is uh, organized crime has been the virtually exclusive provider of marijuana in New Hampshire for the past several decades. And if you guys go ahead and pass this law and take the black market profits out of our hands, or out of uh, organized crime's hands, then that's just going to put it uh, put those profits in the hands of honest New Hampshire business people. And we can't have that happening. So please continue to support organized crime and vote no on uh, this this measure. <laughs> and uh, so I got that sort of got their attention. They weren't expecting that. And I, that's sort of what I wanted to happen. You know, I wanted to go up and just throw them a quick curveball, something that might sink in on them a little bit later down the line. Did and, you talk like an Italian? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But I, I was a, <laughs> still a little bit nervous, you know, getting up in front of people and, and speaking. It still gets to me. You know, it's no big deal for me to, to sit behind a microphone well, every night. it's a new night. situation for you. It's true. And, and a lot of people are, are concerned with public speaking, but I, I certainly do a lot better these days than I did when I was in elementary Just school. Just picture everybody naked in the audience and no, you'll be fine. No, no. <laughs> you, you weren't on this panel. It's a mm-hmm. panel of old folks. Very bad news, yeah. yeah. But then that would be funny. Then you just laugh. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I had a good time. It was fine. It was, and it was a lot of fun. And I got some positive comments afterwards. And, and, of course, Jack Cole from Law Enforcement Against Prohibition showed up. Also, there was another Leap guy there as well, one of the local New Hampshire law enforcement agents, who he had been on the, uh, I guess, on the force for eight years. And he has come out. He's relatively young. I would say he's in his early, early 30s or very, very late 20s. Something like that, yeah. And his name is Bradley um, from here in New Hampshire. And the the guy has to have a lot of courage to uh, essentially be still on the force and come out in favor of drug legalization. Well, when you say that, uh, there's probably some drugs he'd probably be against legalizing. He'd probably be against crystal meth legalization. I don't know about that. Law enforcement against prohibition is pretty darn uh, principled when it comes to ending prohibition. Now, these guys tend to be for regulation. They aren't going to call for what was being called for today, and that was full decriminalization, that is, removal of the laws in regards to the drugs. They would like to see a government control scheme implemented, just not a government prohibition scheme. Ah, way to lower property taxes. Well, 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231, the packet 8.net toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site there are completely free, and that does include the Shrine of Female listeners. Dozens and dozens of ladies have taken the time to send us their validated photo and that means they're proving that they listen to the show. See what I mean by hitting to shrine.freetalklive.com. That is shrine.freetalklive.com. Uh, we've been talking about a hearing that we went to today, and uh, we're going to get back into that here in moments. But first, I want to tell you about SACL CAI. You know, if you're looking for essentially a new way to handle collections, SACL CAI does it, and they do it in a whole new way. Their employees 
are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep your clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com or call 1-800-544-6359. That's 800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. So we are talking about this uh, marijuana hearing that we went to today, a decriminalization hearing wherein there were a number of people, uh, Free State Project members, who showed up to uh, to protest, or not protest, but to, to speak out in favor of uh, this marijuana decriminalization measure, which I thought was, was great. Um, and there weren't very many people speaking out against it. There was just sort of the usual suspects of the chiefs of police, the attorney general, the people that have a vested interest in seeing the war on drugs continue. Um, because, for instance, the chiefs of police, they're going to continue getting big old budgets to fight the war on drugs, and they do love having a big budget. And they also love uh, being able to take people's property in the form of asset forfeiture and, and that sort of thing. Um, but they just didn't even have it together. Uh, they just came up and sort of rattled off some of their propaganda, and when, when even pressed a little bit, uh, they stumbled around and they didn't know quite what they were doing. But I guess... I'm actually looking at the uh, the thread on the New Hampshire Liberty Forum, or the rather the uh, nh3.com forum, and I guess not everybody enjoyed my testimony. Mm-hmm. Um, one of our listeners uh, writes in, uh, Dennis wrote in, Ian effed us all pretty hard, at least those of us who actually want decriminalization. Your testimony was not only poorly executed, as in you tripped up your extemporization several times, so as not to be particularly funny, it's all in the timing, well, you know what? I'm not a professional speaker, so what do you want from me? Uh, but it was a major turnoff to the five to six reps who are seriously, honestly on the fence, getting swayed by the testimony. Ian, in treating the proceedings as a joke or a publicity stunt, you disres- uh, disrespected them mightily. Thank God Jack Cole came after you, not before you. Well, so I'd gotten compliments on what I said, and that was actually the first negative thing that I'd heard. And I didn't. I didn't hear your particular um, testimony. I mean, you told me about it, and you know, I don't. I don't know as though the legislators expect to see a unified front. I mean, there's a bunch of people in that room, and they all have different opinions. And the legislators, um, underst- I would think, would understand that you know, all my voters have different opinions, and you know, here's a voter's opinion. I don't know. I mean, it was a big risk that you took, but they already had a lot of people saying a lot of the stuff you would have said. And if you're going to fail, fail grandly, but take chances. That's that's what I say. You know, I'm naturally inclined to uh, to 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 protect my co-host. You know, I mean, it's just sort of the way things go. But, you know, if you would have done something way out of line, I'd call you on it. And I have. Well, it wasn't a publicity stunt. I didn't even get up there and plug Free Talk Live. No, that's, uh, it was a very poor publicity stunt, <laughs> right. I would like to say. I thought I thought about doing it, but I decided against it. And, you know, um, he, says, uh, he says, I'm not saying the reps deserve respect. I'm saying if you had sat your head in the chair and kept your um, butt shut, we'd have a much better chance of actually making this happen. You know what? If you want to go ahead and blame this on me, then that's fine. If you need a, a whipping boy to blame because you don't get what you want out of this particular hearing, then that's fine. I can be that person. Um, but I don't think that whether or not I got up on the stand and took a sort of a lighthearted approach uh, to the issue is going to or not going to really be the decision maker here. I think, yeah, I think he may just need to um, unclench his keister a little bit. I think it was probably a good perspective to 
present that information the way you did. You know, it was the thing is, is it was good for some legislators and it was bad for others. Yeah. How many was it good for? Hard to say. How many was it bad for? Hard to say. That's this is his opinion, you know, and he thinks it was bad for um, more than it was good for, and and he doesn't he didn't appreciate your uh, your testimony. So. Well, the feeling I got from uh, from just sitting there and and making eye contact with some of them was that they did, you know, that some of them certainly did appreciate it, and I think that uh, it made an important point in a way that was touched on by some of the um, the people that were testifying in favor uh, of it. But there's uh, no, the guy from normal, uh, Phil. The National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Law said he'd never seen anybody approach it in that direction before. And, there and you he, go. He really liked it. And he, he did, wasn't, he, he was compl- blowing smoke. He was complimentary. I, I don't know if he, he was blowing who, smoke. He who didn't knows. know who I was. You suggested that he did it. He said that just because I was a talk show host. And he didn't even know. He had no idea who well, I was. It's not like you went there and you passed out fake joints with Free Talk Live on them. Right. Printed on them, you know. Now there's the publicity stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Where, where were you? <laughs> How about bongs? Uh, I don't think we were allowed to use the term bong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the toll-free number is 800-259-9231. And so where this thing goes from here, I don't know. I don't exactly know what the, the political process is. I guess there's some sort of subcommittee that's been assigned, and they sort of take the bill and do things with it. They can change it and mo- and modify it, and it's expected, I guess, that that's what's going to happen if it even moves on to the next stage in the process. So we'll keep you informed as to what's going on with that here, because if mar- if uh, marijuana gets decriminalized in New Hampshire fully, well, that will be a first for the United States. Yeah, there's been a little bit here and a little there. New York, for instance, making it a traffic ticket instead of an arrestable offense. Other states doing similar things. But uh, to actually wipe it out from the laws uh, itself, I think would be pretty interesting and be pretty historical. I'd love to grow some hemp in my yard. Would you? Oh, yeah. I buy some land and start growing hemp and selling it for making rope and cloth. And, You'd and have to have, like, a plantation for that. It doesn't take much land to grow a pretty good, productive crop of hemp. Well, there's other news out of uh, Concord, New Hampshire today. We were also just a couple of blocks away from where the, the trial was being held for Elaine Brown. Um, Ed and Elaine Brown, we've been bringing you the story over the past few weeks or the past few days on Free Talk Live they're a couple in their 60s who's being prosecuted by the federal government for so-called tax evasion charges, conspiracy to commit money laundering, and a variety of other conspiracy so-called charges as well. And the latest news as of yesterday was that Elaine Brown had gone to the courtroom to attend the trial while her husband Ed stayed home. Word came out that essentially this whole trial situation has driven a wedge in between their marriage. Mm. They, uh, she's scared. Yeah, and, and rightly so. I mean, absolutely. Essentially, Ed's sitting at home saying to himself, um, you know, and to whomever who will listen, mm-hmm. um, I'm not coming, and the the federal the Fibbies can come with their guns and they can kill me, but I'm not going. That's what he's saying. Yeah. Right. Why would Elaine be scared? You know, she's going in there trying to make a deal, trying to work something out with the prosecution. They aren't willing to work anything out. Um, and he's staying home, and here's the latest news, just for an update for you, um, from Jennifer Houck at the Concord Monitor. Jen, uh, Ed Brown barricaded in his Plainfield, New Hampshire home, gives a radio interview yesterday. He said he's preparing for an armed standoff with U.S. Marshals, saying, quote, I don't fear death, while her husband barricaded himself. Apparently Elaine does. <laughs> in their Plainfield home for the fourth day in a row, Elaine Brown returned to federal court yesterday 
accepting the help of a lawyer and appeared close to reaching a plea deal in her tax evasion case. Judge Stephen McAuliffe agreed to postpone the couple's trial for another day to allow prosecutors to calculate how much they expect Elaine Brown to pay in back taxes and penalties, including a prison term, as part of the deal. According to her lawyer, Brown and the government have agreed on the substance and extent of her criminal liability. So essentially it sounds like today was uh, basically a, a day off. They postponed the trial as they're continuing to uh, to gather information and to come up with the so-called plea bargain. I think it's really a shame, but um, you know, it, it, it makes sense to me that what's happening. I think the only real solution here is, um, well, get out of the country. Take your stuff and go. There were apparently some uh, supporters also at Ed Brown's home who were cooking, providing friendship with him, taking calls inside the home. And a number of those supporters included uh, volunteers from the Free State Project getting mentions here um, in some of the news around uh, Ed and Elaine Brown, which is good news as well. Uh, More on the way. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, 800-259-9231. That is the toll-free number, and you can take control of the airwaves. 800-259-9231. The Packet 8.net toll-free line for you, and it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And as always, you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features we have are completely free. We do ask that you voluntarily support the show by buying some stuff. At amazon.freetalklive.com, we've got 35 categories of products awaiting your shopping uh, experience. You can just go there. Fill up your cart, check out, and then when you purchase things through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com, whether they be a hot new DVD or book or piece of electronics, furniture, whatever, in their 35 uh, categories, Free Talk Live gets a percentage of your sale. So head over to Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com to get your shopping done today and help Free Talk Live out all at the same time. All right, so we've been talking about the uh, situation here in New Hampshire, both uh, from the marijuana legalization front over to the Ed Brown situation, Ed and Elaine Brown now having their marriage ruined by this situation that has developed with the federal government prosecuting them over so-called tax evasion charges. The latest in the case is essentially that the, uh, the the trial's been put on hold while they work out a plea agreement with Ed's wife, Elaine. It sounds like their marriage is on the rocks as a result of uh, the things that have happened here, the the, uh, the events that have come to transpire, splitting these two individuals up who've been married for what it seems like quite a while. They're uh, an older couple in their 60s. They've sort of made a nice life for themselves. Our friend Lauren Canario was actually recently over at uh, the Browns' house. I guess she was there yesterday, and I'm not sure exactly um, how long she was there or if she's still there. I get the feeling that she's sort of going to be hanging around them for a little while. But I wanted to share what her experience was um, meeting Ed Brown. She says, what are the Browns like? Well, the Browns have made a beautiful home in New Hampshire. They've paid off all their mortgages. They studied the workings of the state and federal governments. They organized their neighbors into a society to repair and fortify their beloved country. They offer a courageous example and freely work for the benefit of everyone. They hurt no one and destroyed nothing. So why are they accused of crimes? She says, many people will defend rights and ideas in word, but the Browns defend theirs in deed and show the unsure how to do the same. 
In speech, Ed Brown takes his ideals seriously. He explains his concepts of good and evil in a confident and patient tone, as if teaching an apprentice. He showed me the realistic paintings decorating his spacious home, a shining medieval knight bowing to be dubbed by a princess, a 19th century man and woman walking together, a mother and child that seemed illuminated by emotion rather than light. He seems to have lived his life believing in chivalry, love, and honor, believing those things were possible, but now events have convinced him that he may have to die to uphold his ideals, and he accepts his possible violent fate with composure. So why is he treated like an outcast? Are those that fear them upset that the Browns' actions follow their ideals? Are those that call them insane just jealous of the Browns' integrity? Do those that hate the Browns simply envy their achievements? Before you dismiss the Browns, think if you've ever held a controversial view. Have you ever believed that ideals were worth fighting for? If so, you might have an independent mind and brave spirit, just like the Browns. So it seems to me that uh, Lauren Canario, a friend of ours, was pretty impressed when she went over to meet Ed Brown at his house. I think it was yesterday that she posted that. Certainly sounds that way. And I would I would trust Lauren as a, a judge of character mm-hmm. on this guy. And so if, uh, if Lauren likes Ed Brown, then uh, I got nothing against him. I also find it really annoying that the news media, when these potential standoffs come about, they always call the person's home a, a compound. Yeah, that's what they were calling it when they arrested him a few months ago. Compound. It's and it's home. just a home. Yeah. It's his home. Right. He it's, might have a few weapons in it, but it's not a compound. No, he doesn't have gun turrets. Uh, yeah, or sandbags. Right. Or <laughs> <laughs> what, what defines a compound? That's an excellent question, Mark. And if you've got an answer, 800-259-9231, I would say some sort of fortification. Like, you know, barbed wire fences around the property, some so, some gun automatic gun turrets mounted, maybe some cameras uh, to, to videotape things. Well, I'm looking at purchasing a piece of property, and I, I know that I will uh, put, install steel doors as opposed to, mm-hmm. you know, the flimsier things that they have out there. Um, you why? Know, why would I install Because it's cold? No, because I don't want somebody to be able to come through the door I see. without me wanting them to come through the door. You expecting a raid? I just don't want people to be able to to bust down a door. I, I see what you're gonna, saying, but if it's you're going Hampshire, to, man, There's if you're no, going to have a front door, you should have a front here. door. Don't fool around and put some kind of little screen door there or a little. Gotcha. I mean, I had so an your whole house is going to be like a panic room. Then is what I saying. had an apartment once. Here's the reason: I had an apartment once where the door was actually a ho- the front door was a hollow core door, <laughs> like <laughs> so you, you could would punch have a, a fist through it, like, like you would have on a closet. And more than one time at this apartment complex, um, some person who wanted to be inside the apartment who was outside of the the apartment bashed through one of these doors mm-hmm. and girlfriend um it could have been anybody um in, in my case it never happened but i always thought to myself hmm, i don't think i'll have any enemies while i live here because they could just come in and they could so what about windows do you believe in putting having windows on your front door um in, in this particular case the house will be up um a story so it wouldn't really matter you're gonna put it build on stilts yeah i am that's not something you see up in New Hampshire very often, is it? Well, they had a flood here once uh, last year, and I'm, I'm not. Or, you in a flood zone? Um, I it's it's some low level um, low level property. Mm. You know, it is on wetlands, although it's raised. Um, the particular place piece that I'm going to be on, building on is raised up. Better to be safe than sorry. Was that underwater last year, where your home site would be? Um, I think everything was underwater last year. Oh boy. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. So we were uh, again downtown Concord, New Hampshire today. We were there primarily for the marijuana hearing, but I did take a walk over to uh, where the Ed Brown trial was, or Ed and Elaine Brown trial. Like I guess it's the Elaine Brown trial at this point because Ed has decided to not go anymore. And we're going to see what happens over time. How soon the government decides to go and try to roust him up 
and uh, and rearrest him for a violation of his bail conditions. So we walked over, uh, not you, Mark, but um, Toby and I, Toby from Free Minds TV, um, walk, and I walked over just to see if there was anybody outside the courthouse, and nobody was around, so we went back and, and returned to the marijuana hearing. Uh, anyway, I'm yeah, on I the, said where it was warm. I'm on, man, was it cold out today. Um, I'm on the Ed Brown thread at New Hampshire uh, at NHFree.com, and I, I just found a sign. I guess somebody went there, one of our people went there and took some, some pictures of Ed's property, and I'm looking at the sign on his property. It's posted. Now, you've probably seen no trespassing signs before. They're usually pretty simple. It's just no trespassing. This one's a little bit longer, and I'm going to share it with you. Notice to all public servants, public servants is in quotes, <laughs> you are hereby put on notice that this is private property. All rights guaranteed by the Constitution, which you have taken an oath to uphold and defend, are hereby claimed. Note, no claims or demands of any kind will be recognized without full due process of law. If you must contact me officially, you can do so by mail. And he gives his mailing address. Note, be sure you please uh, personally sign all documents, demands, or requests. Warning, every person, this includes every government official, who under color of law deprives any citizen of rights, privileges, or immunities secured by the United States of America Constitution is subject to civil or criminal penalties pursuant to Title 42, United States Code, cite some more sections. Penalties include up to $10,000 fine and up to, and or 10 years in prison, or both, and up to life imprisonment if death results. By no trespassing, except by authorized permission only, no government employees allowed, postal delivery excluded. <laughs> so I just found that uh, pretty amusing. Uh, it's, you know, it's a lot of big talk, and it's certainly not going to stop the cops from coming. No, it certainly didn't stop them, but, nope. uh, but nonetheless, uh, he's more than just a big talker, at least so far. He seems to be a real man of principle. Yeah, well, I, I think that he's going to wait it out, and uh, I, I hope it doesn't turn as... Bad as I think it will. I don't think his wife going in there. I don't think that this is the uh, the approach that they're taking. But I think that some might be delu- delusioned into believing that his wife going in and essentially throwing herself at the mercy of the court, asking for a plea bargain, that sort of thing, is going to help his case. Mm. I, don't, I don't think it will. I don't think it will either. Well, well, what's really interesting is there are plenty of people across the country in the same situation who were found not guilty in the same type of case. Really. Yeah, we've we've I guess we've run through a couple of those stories. They just sort of get glossed over in the media, pushed under the rug, and forgotten about. What was different though in those cases in, uh, versus this one? It depends on how honest the judge is. This one's not so honest. Right. If the judge actually allows the the person to uh, put up the defense they need to put up, which is why of, he's not going back to court. Right. Because he didn't. Because he he's, yeah Ed Brown apparently is not being able to present a case. Well, he was able to present a case, just not the one he wanted to present. That's right. There were certain things that, that he, they weren't allowing him to present, and that's, that's wrong. Right. He wanted to approach the constitutionality of the, the laws themselves. And the judge essentially, just like we've reported on many cases recently, just disallowed the Constitution from his courtroom. The other problem, of course, is that if the judge tells the jury that they have to judge the, uh, uh, not the law, but the the, the, case, the facts of the, the case. The facts of the case. That's that's a problem too. He's also done that as well. And uh, Ed felt like he was being railroaded into a jail cell, so he decided to not show up last week. And he's yet to show up for court this week. Sounds like he's pretty much dug in at this point in his home, and uh, is going to wait and see what happens. And it also sounds like he's willing to die. 
to support his principles. Mm, I hope it doesn't come to that. There are people showing up, I Me think, too. at his house to help defend him. More on the way. We'll give you updates as we learn them. Hour number two is coming up. It's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves. Toll-free, 800-259-9231 is the Packet 8 toll-free line for you. Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. That number again is 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, we give them away. That's freetalklive.com. We've been talking about the Ed and Elaine Brown case, and I guess you guys want to continue talking, so we're going to the phones. Let's go to Ray in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Wayne, and Mark. Hello, Ray. Hey, how you doing? Hey, Ray, what's on your mind? Oh, not bad. I just wanted to give you a little something to check on when you get a chance to uh, okay. get off the air or whatever. Probably won't help the Browns any because they won't let them present their case. But go to the Internet and check under uh, 1040 Checkmate. 1040 Search Checkmate? Dad. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. It's the uh, the form control numbers, right? That's affirmative. Yeah, do you want to explain, also- do you want to explain to the listeners what that's all about? Uh, well, uh, there's no uh, OMB code on the Internal Revenue Service code, the 1040. I thought there was a code, but it was uh, a, a dishonest code. It's false. Yes, yeah, a dishonest code. It's not a real code for from the OMB. Mm-hmm. Also, Why um, is that important? Because every government document has to have an OMB a number on it in order to be legal. It's part of the law. Paperwork Reduction mm-hmm. Act, I believe, right? right? That's affirmative. It makes it a bootleg document, basically. That's right. Yeah, you got it. And then the other thing is... Um, um, People might want but to wait, go wait, on wait, slow down, slow down. You can get to the other thing here in a moment. This is probably something a lot of our listeners have never heard of before. Now, the way this news came out was that there was someone who successfully won a case That's against, right. I have it right in front of me here. against the feds based on the OMB number being false or falsified. Yeah, and the, and the uh, PRA defense was raised also. Now, did and they then, change it? Did they change the OMB number? Did they get it compliant, or is that something that they just can't possibly do? They can't. They have. They have not done it as of yet. Why I'm would sure they? That, why would they cut corners in that way? Why would they put a a false number on this document when they could just go through the process and and get a real number? What was preventing them from uh, from getting that real number? Well, for one thing, the Internal Revenue Service, uh, by their own uh, code, man is uh, filing income tax on your income mm-hmm. by their own code. Is volunteer. You are not required. It's not mandated by law. And somehow that ties into the off uh, the OMB number. Yeah, because the IRS is not officially a government agency, even though they tell everybody it is. So are the other numbers on their other forms also That's in null and void too? Ten ninety nine so, forms, all the rest of them. Really? So yeah. they're all made up, is what you're saying? That's right. And uh, and this is this isn't to- this isn't hypothesis. There was no a case. This is, uh, if you check that 1040 checkmate, they'll give you a whole nine pages of information. Right. It came down to a case filed May 12, 2006, in Peoria, Illinois, by attorney. And he presented uh, not only the uh, falsified uh, uh, numbers, but also under, like you stated, the PRA defense was raised. And in the process of presenting that, the Department of Justice and IRS petitioned 
the court to drop the case. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. So he didn't actually win the case. The IRS said, "Whoa, he's onto something here. Let's get let's just get rid of this guy and uh, shove the case under the rug and uh, go back to work." That's yeah, they didn't right. want the press to get a hold of this. Right. And there was a little bit of news that came out about it, but as usual, it was just okay. It was reported here and there, and then it just disappeared. So also, I have some other information here. Yeah. Um, in uh, February 10th of 1939, the Internal Revenue Code, uh, under House Resolution 2762, Public Number One, Chapter Two, Section Four, it says the following: All such laws and parts of laws codified herein to the extent they relate exclusively to internal revenue are repelled effective as of except as provided in section five can you translate that i'm not so good with legalese uh the uh internal revenue code in reference to taxes for Mm -hmm. income and other uh, types of income like wages yeah was repelled repealed Mm -hmm. yes repealed in other words it was it was uh there is no law. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> That's a simple way to say it. Interesting. Interesting. I've been researching this for over two years. Very good. And well, uh, thank- the website yes. I wanted to um, maybe possibly have people check out would be uh, if they go on the search engine to just go to USA capital letters versus US capital letters, you will get a lawyer from California who has done extensive research in reference to the laws as they stand now underneath the Uniform Commercial Code compared to the laws of the supreme land, in other words, the Constitution and Bill of Rights. Ray, thank you for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. Wayne, sure. it sounded like you had a comment on that. Oh, I was just going to say that there's been a lot of different cases in, uh, in this area. And, um, it, you know, like I said, I think that the peop- some people are winning and some people are losing. It depends on how the case is handled. But that information, the OMB number and all that that's really a secondary technicality really yeah. the, the the real issue is not being addressed here which is the constitutionality of of the supposed law to begin with which the irs refuses to address yeah right. and in fact there there are supposedly there were eight different supreme court cases after 1913 uh that said that the irs code did not apply to wage earning people it applied to corporations and corporate profits and that's it that's that's right. Oh, is this Ray still? Ray still? Yeah, this is oh. Ray. I'll let you guys go. Thanks for the call. We appreciate okay. it. 800-259-9231. Let's go to Brent in Missouri. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Hello. Hey, Brent. What's on your mind? Well, um, it seems to me like getting into all of the, the legal technicalities and whatnot of, of this, uh, um, the outcome, you know, because these are still jury trials, aren't they? I, I don't know. Which one are you talking about? Yes, the Brown case is. They had Brown. Yes, it is. It is a jury trial. Yeah. You know, in general, these are still jury trials, at least for the criminal, you know, refusing to file the 1040 type things. Some of the civil stuff, I bet you can't get it. Well, you should be able to make them give you a jury trial, I guess, since it's over $500 or whatever it is. But, I mean, it seems like people are trying to argue law with lawyers. They're trying to argue legalese with lawyers. And... That to me seems doomed to fail. As it is, as it has failed in most cases, it's true. But I mean, it, you know, nobody likes. I think part of the reason that the government freaks out about this, or you know, the IRS freaks out and they they jump on people and try to make examples, because they know that people don't want to pay taxes. Nobody likes 
paying taxes or Mm -hmm. very, very few people. You know, I don't think you want to appeal to the jury's sense of law. I don't think you want to try and, you know, say, well, I've done a lot of research on a bunch of Internet sites, and they say there's no law, you know, and because, first of all, you're going to kind of come off like a kook a little bit. Absolutely. Whether you're right or not. It's just the way it is. People and the judge, is gonna come, the judge is going to come back and say, well, there is law, and yeah. I've determined that it's constitutional, which is what the judge said in this particular case. You know, but, for instance, prohibition was constitutional when it was enacted, and yet it got overturned because people weren't saying, well, this is unconstitutional. They were saying it's wrong. You know? It's true. That I was because of better. jury nullification was still pretty much yeah. entrenched in our society back then. And, well, but I think that, you know, if your case is something along the lines of, you know, for instance, I don't support the war in Iraq, you know, just for a a hot-button issue, probably half the jurors will support it and half of them won't, but that's enough for hanging a jury, you know, and you say, look, um, I don't support this war, how can I, as a moral man, contribute money to it, you know, contribute my money to people somewhere, brown people somewhere dying that I have nothing against, you know? How can I do that and still be a good person? I think that that's a lot more likely to sway a jury to hang at least, you know, if not just acquit you. Than I agree completely. I think that's a good. I think that's a good approach, Brent. It's just that the question is, will the judge in your case allow you to make that presentation? I don't know. I mean, I guess that's, odds are that's against the it. Problem. I've I've, uh, I've never actually been in a, at a trial. Thank I've, goodness. I've been in, court for ticket type things a couple times but never actually like a jury trial but i mean i don't know what the procedure is but i mean it just seems to me like that's the tactic to be taking not the constitutionality because not arguing technicalities of law i see where you're coming from Mm -hmm. that tactic is a lot less undermining to the judge's authority you know and things like that and to the to the government's authority or whatever. Yeah, I agree. Because, I, I'd have to agree. I think that uh, I think you can uh, make an, make a point to a jury that, look, I don't support the war in Iraq, um, like you said, whatever, and um, I just can't see giving my money to a government that's uh, perpetrating this war. It's just wrong to me. Yep. The question is, again, well, and thanks for the call, Brent. We appreciate it, as to whether or not you'll be allowed to make those points. That's what the real problem is in courtrooms today. The judge can just simply decide to disallow certain testimony. And, legisla- on the way. and legislate from the bench. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That is the packet 8.net toll free line for you, one 800 259 9231, it is Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Oh, hi, you're here too. Yes, I, I'm checking in. And you can join <laughs> us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there, we give them away, though we do ask that you voluntarily support the show. There's different options for you to do that at freetalklive.com. And get registered now for the New Hampshire Liberty Forum, attaining economic and personal freedoms in America's freest state. This three-day event, February 23rd through the 25th, will be held convention-style in historic Concord, with some of the program taking place in the State House. Register now at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. That's freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. We continue the discussion of the Ed and Elaine Brown situation developing in Concord, New Hampshire, an older uh, couple in their 60s being prosecuted by the federal government for so-called tax evasion charges, conspiracy to commit money laundering, and a few other uh, conspiracy-related charges as well. The couple has had a wedge driven uh, into their marriage as a result of uh, what has happened from these uh, these prosecutions. Elaine Brown returning to the courtroom this week. Ed Brown deciding to stay home and uh, essentially telling the police 
he's not leaving. Um, it, and if you try to come after him, he's gonna he's gonna shoot. Yeah, this uh, is a high profile case, Ian. And I remember there there have been I've heard a lot of numbers over the years, but uh, one of the ex IRS agents in Aaron Russo's film stated that there were about sixty seven million people who refused to file income tax returns. Sixty seven million. Sixty seven million people. That's a lot. It's incredible. Yes, I it mean, is. It, what does that include? Two hundred fifty million and old people. That includes I I. I I assume it, it's people who are supposed to file and don't. I see. And uh, so Ed Brown and Elaine Brown are two of those 60-something million, and and this is what they do. They they essentially hold certain um, people up as examples. They make examples out of them. They uh, throw the book at them as as much as they possibly can to teach them a lesson and to show the rest of America that if you don't comply with the government edicts and rules, then their fate may befall you as well. Well, that's right. Th- those 67 million people probably aren't going to file, but uh, they don't want the number to be 167 million. Yeah. So uh, anybody who's on the fence thinking about it, uh, be warned. So they're trying to scare as many people as they can into compliance. Just a few more thoughts on the case and actually another update from the Valley News Plainfield. At the end of the driveway, blocked by a truck with a militia emblem, through a door beneath a w- uh, warily fluttering U.S. flag in the kitchen with its cabinet carved in heart shapes, Ed Brown, obviously a really bad, bad man. Uh, Ed Brown, a handgun in his jeans, admitted to some confusion. This, he thought, was America. Federal prosecutors are now going after Brown and his wife Elaine for failing to pay more than half a million dollars in federal income taxes since 1995. Ed Brown argues that there is no law forcing American citizens to pay federal taxes. More importantly, he said the U.S. District Court, where he and his wife are being tried, has no jurisdiction in New Hampshire. Yesterday, Ed Brown decided he'd had enough. He stayed home from his own trial, though his wife did drive to Concord for her, for hers and may be close to striking a plea deal with prosecutors. Ed Brown said he has no interest in such a deal, and he is hunkered down in his house in the hills of Plainfield. If federal agents want him, he said, they'd have to come and get him. But Brown, a 64-year-old man with neatly parted hair, a mustache, and eyes that widen as he warns, uh, warms his, to his preferred subjects, said he wouldn't go willingly. Quote, they can't come on this property lawfully. Look what they did in Waco. Look what they did in the Weaver case. In both of those incidents, in Texas and Ruby Ridge, Idaho, fugitives died in bloody standoffs with federal agents. Brown said, quote, you can attack, you attack my property, it's going to get real violent. I don't care who it is. Despite such warnings, Brown acknowledged that he had had a series of telephone conversations so far friendly with an official from the U.S. Marshal's office. U.S. Marshal Stephen Monnier confirmed Monday, or yesterday rather, that uh, talks with Brown so far had been very amicable. No warrant for Brown's arrest had been issued as of late yesterday afternoon, he said. It's not our desire to escalate, said Monnier. Plainfield didn't feel like Waco yesterday, at least not in the Brown's kitchen. While he gave a telephone interview on a radio show, Semper Fi, Live Free or Die, Death Before Dishonor, he recited at one point, Brown opened his refrigerator and held up a carton of orange juice, offering its contents to visitors. Later, he talked of his past professions as a hairdresser and exterminator. Brown said he owed his success in the latter trade to a novel method of combating cockroaches with boric acid, his canvas vest sometimes slipping back to reveal the butt of his pistol. Brown lamented journalists' previous coverage of his cause, at one point demonstrating his opinion of the print media by tearing a newspaper to shreds and shoving it into his stove. He said, I never lied once I became an adult. Because of that, my life is simple. About a half a dozen supporters stood stamping the hard-packed snow at the top of Brown's driveway. Lauren Canario, 50, of Winchester, New Hampshire, parked her yellow Isuzu Minu SUV across the road to block any, uh, block any attempt to enter from the federal agents who, as of yesterday afternoon, had never shown up. 
Before driving off with friends, she gave Brown her keys and left her car where it was, planning to return for uh, return for it another day. Canario said Brown's, and now I saw another post by her. I guess she's planning on possibly camping out uh, at the, uh, the Brown household. <laughs> Sounds like her. That Lauren Canario again. Oh, she boy. is something else. Uh, Canario said Brown's cause was, quote, worth going into danger for, unquote. Farther on, a truck bearing a star, the star emblem of the United States Constitution Rangers, a citizen's militia based in West Lebanon, also blocked the driveway. Quote, it's been kind of hard for us to know how to help the Browns because we sort of live in a different world than they do, said Russell Canning, a keen resident who runs a newspaper, the Keen Free Press, devoted to anti-government views. I would say it's more devoted to uh, pro-freedom uh, views. He says, I'm not ready to hurt or kill federal guys to protect him, said Canning. Brown eventually cut off questions, saying he had some chores to do around the house. Quote, I was trying to get the house clean before Elaine come, uh, came back. She's stressed out. But in a telephone interview with Valley News later in the day, Brown said his wife would not be coming home and was instead heading to Massachusetts from Concord. Since she had failed to appear on Friday, Judge Stephen McAuliffe gave Elaine Brown new bail conditions, ordering her to stay with a son in Worcester, Mass. Brown said he was very surprised at his wife's decision to consider a guilty plea. He says she was talked into it. She was isolated. I wasn't there. Mm. And... I think it's interesting uh, what has happened with the, uh, oh, by the way, he said federal authorities had ruined his life and that of his wife, adding, they think I'm afraid of them. They think I'm afraid to die. I'm not. 1-800-259-9231. I think what, um, what you're seeing here is when you violate your bail conditions, which both Ed and Elaine Brown have done by not returning to the courtroom on Friday when they were expected to, the judge essentially can change them, which is what he's done. He's now said, Elaine, you can't go back to your home. As part of your bail conditions, if you want to stay out of jail, you have to go and live with your son down in Massachusetts at this point. So keeping her separated now at this point from her husband. And the reason why you get bail conditions in the first place is because you sign bail paperwork. And that could have been a mistake on the, on the Browns case in that, they got into jail, they wanted to get out of jail and go home. When, you, when they present you with that, those bail papers, you're signing an agreement with the government essentially saying, yeah, I'll do whatever you want me to do while I'm out. Uh, I'll obey whatever rules you set up for me. I'll obey all the laws that are on the books. I'll do whatever, uh, whatever you're asking me to do. I just want to get out of jail. You know, it's, it seems to me that uh, a lot of the conditions beat jail. A lot of what conditions? Some of the conditions that they give. And in this case, going to live with the son beats jail. Well, that's true, but having to sign those papers to be free is, is you're kind of under duress a little bit, aren't you? Yes, you're definitely under duress. What about it? Well, it's coercion and duress that you're signing those, the, that agreement. If you actually sat down and read that, and I'm sure they did, or maybe they didn't, I don't know. But, but if they actually probably read all the fine print on that, they, maybe they would have preferred to stay in jail. I just sort of think the Lauren Canario-Russell Canning tactic of being disobedient in jail and not signing the papers that they are asking you to sign. Because anytime you sign something, when you're in the, the booking process or the bail process or any process while you're in their uh, their custody, you could be signing away your rights. And that's essentially what what has happened here. And now they're now they're being punished for it. 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. You bring up anything, it is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free, 800-259-9231. 
That's 1-800-259-9231, and that is the Packet8.net toll-free line for you. You can also join us on our website at freetalklive.com. There's all kinds of uh, features there available, and they're all completely free, and that does include the bulletin board system. There's over 160,000 posts there for you, over 1,300 people interacting. Lots of uh, fun stuff to talk about. Also, serious issues being discussed there as well, and it's all for free at bbs.freetalklive.com. That is bbs.freetalklive.com. As we go to the phones to the fun, let's talk to Tracy in South Dakota. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Ian. Hey, Tracy, what's on your mind? It's been a long time since I called you guys. Okay, what's up? Um, well, I just wanted to talk about uh, Ron Paul a little bit, a little change in direction. Um, I think that all of the you know, people that are in the Libertarian and Constitution parties and some of the anti-war, you know, Green and even Democrat parties should change their registration to Republican and vote for Paul in the primaries to see if he can get the Republican nomination. Yeah, well, we're, I think a lot of people in the pro-liberty movement are definitely pretty excited about uh, Ron Paul possibly running for president. I don't think it's a it's an official thing quite yet. I think he's uh, formed an exploratory committee, which essentially allows him to raise money so he can possibly decide to run for president. That's as I understand it. Yeah, yeah. And if he does, I think that the Libertarian Party would be really smart to just endorse him rather than putting up their own candidate this time around. That's what I'm trying to get the South Dakota LP to to do anyway. I don't speak for them, obviously, but I do work with them over here sometimes. I mean, the the Communist Party often endorses the Democratic uh, nominee. Do they really? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, they do. Interesting. Well, we're definitely, uh, I think I'm in favor of what you're suggesting. Uh, Thankfully, here in uh, New Hampshire, changing party registration is easy to do. You can just go the day of and switch your party registration before the primary and switch it back before you leave the room. So that won't be a problem for us, but for the rest of uh, the United States, they may have to get their registration changes in a good 30 days before the election, et cetera, et cetera. Isn't it true that in some states, if you're independent, you can vote in primaries as well? Some states you can, not in South Dakota here, though. I see. Yes. Do your due diligence and uh, research your state's laws. And thanks for the call, Tracy. uh, Tracy, We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. To Nick in New York, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Yes, uh, this calls for Congressman Ron Paul. He's not here. Oh, okay. <laughs> what made you think he was? Oh, no, I thought uh, this was for the live call-in. Nope, nope. This is Free Talk Live, and you can call in about what you want. What did you have to say? <clears throat> oh, is this is this um, not for the show coming up? Is this a re-recording or something? You're on Free Talk Live. It's, uh, it's a radio show, and we talk about liberty issues. We like Ron Paul. So what was on your mind, sir? Okay, I'd heard that he was going to be running for the presidential ticket. Yep, he's considering it. He's formed an exploratory committee uh, that allows him to raise some money for that purpose, should he decide to. Okay. Uh, my question is, if you know, if he was to become president, would he be concerned about his safety? As in, what do you mean? Well, I mean, if in the past, any time anyone has done anything positive, whether it's um, JFK, Martin Luther King, there's always been an attempt on that person's life. So, you know, I want to know if he had people that were willing to expose information if, if there was ever that attempt. Interesting question. And thank not, you for not the... to preach doom and gloom and not to sound like a pessimist or anything. I think that uh, to answer your question, I think that if you're going to run for president, and especially if you're going to be elected president, you absolutely should be concerned about safety. Inevitably, mm-hmm. there are going to be people out there that don't like you. Well, don't forget there was, there was an attempt on Gerald Ford's life when he was president for those short two years. And there was also an attempt on Ronald Reagan's life. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. So if you if you uh, if you want to be safe and sound, don't run for president. Thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. 
don't know what made him think we had Ron Paul on the line. I don't okay. know. It's we were talking about Ron Paul. I wonder if somebody um, somebody has Ron Paul on and he just got confused with the numbers or something. I don't, I don't know. know. Very strange. 800-259-9231. Let's go to Iraq. Like the 21,500 extra troops will be going to Iraq here shortly. I guess the oh transition's already begun. This is from Chris Hedges at truthdig.com. He's pointing out that he's uh, spent most of his adult life as a reporter covering insurgencies. And he lists off some of the uh, conflicts, including El Salvador, Nicaragua, Serbian province of Kosovo, some of the uh, con- conflicts that he has covered uh, as a journalist. He says the plan to send in 21,500 more troops to Iraq will be accompanied by a subtle but disastrous change in the way the war is fought. A change that will almost assuredly increase the monthly tallies of American dead and wounded. The president warned that, quote, deadly acts of violence will continue, and we must expect more Iraqi and American casualties. In his version of the war, these losses will allow us to climb from the sinkhole we've dug ourselves into the sunlight of victory. Uh, dug for ourselves. Unfortunately for Iraqis and for us, what the president proposes is a mistake of catastrophic proportions. It defies basic counterinsurgency doctrine and will leave American troops more vulnerable, more exposed, and in greater danger in this war of shadows. So when you hear the president getting all pumped up about his extra troops, you might think that, well, more troops means our troops will have a better chance of uh, staying alive in Baghdad. We'll we'll crush the insurgency with another 21,000 troops. I think that's what they want people to think. Well, I'm not sure if they will crush them, but it seems like they would have better chance, more people, you know, not according more guns. To, not according to uh, Chris Hedges. He says a counterinsurgency war is first and foremost a political war. It requires a deafness as well as cultural and political sensitivity that American troops and commanders, most of whom don't even know Arabic enough to read the road signs in Baghdad, don't possess. Military strikes must always be very limited and frequent and surgical, a tactic foreign to the terrified 19-year-old kids who unleash a 1,000 rounds a minute with their M249 saws in a crowded Iraqi neighborhoods moments after an IED goes off. The greatest failure in Iraq, a war that I always opposed, was to use American forces to occupy the country then, after sectarian bloodlines had been drawn and American troops had killed thousands of innocent Iraqis, to set out to try to build a proxy army of quizzling Iraqi nationals. It was doomed from the start. We lost the war, and in Iraqi eyes, it was defined as our war by the time our invading forces blasted their way into Baghdad. Conventional armies, such as the ours in Iraq, come equipped with inherent strengths that rebels just can't match. These strengths include massive firepower, air right. support, and integrated intelligence and communications infrastructure that permits rapid and effective responses, as well as the ability in a fixed firefight to usually obliterate a rebel band. But conventional behemoths, especially when they seek to occupy hostile foreign territory, have serious and often fatal weaknesses. Weaknesses that have been deftly exploited in Iraq and especially in Baghdad. Most of the new troops will go to Baghdad, doubling the number of combat troops in the Iraqi capital. 4,000 more Marines will go to Iraq's western Anbar province, where U.S. commanders admit that 30,000 troops that are currently there have lost control to Iraqi resistance fighters. There are now about 140,000 American military personnel in Iraq, of whom about 50,000 are combat troops. Now, American forces, because they control the country's infrastructure, must often remain in fixed, static positions. Right. They're essentially, you know, bureaucrats. They're the police to some extent. Troops in static positions are easily targeted by small, mobile rebel bands. Mm -hmm. During the war in El Salvador, new guerrilla recruits for their first kill were often sent at night to attack one of the many small bridges held by government troops. 
The immobile targets were so vulnerable, the newly minted rebel soldiers were almost always assured of success. Soldiers and Marines in Iraq are bottled up in heavily fortified and protected compounds, though, although that uh, even these are hit by periodic mortar rounds and suicide bombers. Troops make forays out of these forts in armored convoys that move very swiftly down the middle of city streets in a show of force or to protect supply lines. It's constant and rapid movement that ensures survival. So, staying in place guarding a bridge, Bad easy to attack. Moving around, not so easy. The occupying forces have learned the hazards of remaining in static positions. But now, President Bush, who knows little about warfare, as little about warfare as he does about diplomacy, wants to take away this vital mobility. Here's what he said. In earlier operations, Iraqi and American forces cleared many neighborhoods of terrorists and insurgents. But when our forces moved on to other targets, the killers returned. This time, we'll have the force levels we need to hold the areas that have been cleared. Our past efforts to secure Baghdad failed for two principal reasons. There were not enough Iraqi and American troops to secure neighborhoods that have been cleared of terrorists and insurgents. And there were too many restrictions on the troops that we did have. But the president and the few generals willing to swallow their pride and probably their integrity to support him have failed to explain or grasp the realities of occupation. The presence of more troops on the streets of Baghdad, troops who will only understand how to impose their will by force, will fuel the rage most Iraqis feel towards their American occupiers. Large percentages of Iraqis feel. And if they're just standing around guarding areas, they're more likely to be attacked. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free. 1-800-259-9231. That's the packet8.net toll-free line for you. That's 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All the features, we give them away. Those other radio talk show hosts, they charge you for access to their websites. We do it for free at freetalklive.com. Though we do ask that you voluntarily support the show by voting for us. Head over to vote.freetalklive.com. It'll take you less than a minute. All you need is your email address and your votes help total up to push us higher and higher on the podcast charts. See, we're a radio show first and foremost, then we put the show online in podcast form every night. And as a result of those of you who have voted so far this month, we are in the top ten podcasts of the world. I think uh, last time I looked, we were at number three. We could be higher on the charts if you would go and vote, if you've yet to do it. Vote.freetalklive.com. If you already have voted, well, tell a few friends. Ask them to vote for Free Talk Live. Again, vote. .freetalklive.com. Uh, we're go- uh, reading a story from truthdig.com, and Chris Hedges writing. He's a journalist who's had a lot of experience in counterinsurgency wars like what we're looking at right now in Iraq, and he's pointing out that the new strategy on the part of the president is going to be putting more of the U.S. troops in danger. It's not going to make them safer, um, because apparently what the president's complaint is is that, uh, as he puts it, the essentially the forces would clear a neighborhood of, ter- of alleged terrorists and insurgents, but when the forces would move on to other targets, the killers would return. Now they say they're going to be holding the areas that have been cleared. So a, a bigger occupation is what the president's going for in Baghdad. Well, obviously, if you want to occupy the whole country, you need a whole bunch of troops, right? Right, so he's going to have the troops hanging out in certain areas of the city, which, as the, the uh, article points out, is going to make them more vulnerable to enemy fire. It's going to make them more vulnerable to sneak attacks and, and that sort of thing. 
But if they if they can start moving, now this may be, as it's been said in the last few weeks, a prelude to an invasion of Iran as well. And that's maybe why they're bundling the troops there, so they've got uh, uh, more more manpower there near Iran. But uh, from what I understand, a lot of the generals are saying that there's not going to be enough uh, backup troops, not enough reserves, if they if they dump all these guys in, in Iraq right now. Sounds about right. You know. Um, the Republican talking heads uh, love to say that this isn't Vietnam. This isn't Vietnam. There's no comparison. They want to compare it to World War II. Mm. Um, but, you know, it's, here's the troop surge, for like just like they had in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to have um, stuff going out into Laos. I mean, Iran. And <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have stuff going in Cambodia. Cambodia. I mean, Jordan. Right. I mean, you know, it, it, it's, it's the same no, thing no, no. all over again. And don't forget uh, Somalia. It's a new way to spell quagmire. They've already attacked mm-hmm. Somalia. Yeah. And it is, everyone's just sort of shrugging their shoulders at that, like it doesn't mean anything. No big deal. We just blew up some people, some suspected terrorists in Somalia. Well, as Hedges, I hope they don't label me a suspected terrorist. Yeah. Well, that's what they would like to do, trial, and, uh, tr- trial by uh, military. And speaking of military trials, you've got something coming up, Mark, uh, about court-martialing. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that in a moment. But uh, first, the f- final thoughts from Chris Hedges in this article. The president and the few generals willing to swallow their pride and probably their integrity to support him have failed to explain or grasp the realities of occupation. The presence of more troops on the streets of Baghdad, troops who will only understand how to impose their will by force, will fuel the rage that most Iraqis feel toward their American occupiers. It will heighten the tension and increase the strikes on American forces, which, tied down, will be more easily targeted. They're going to prevent the guys from moving around. Mm. The insurgents, Shiite and Sunni, have done what we failed to do. They built a vast and effective support network within their communities, communities that we were never able to reach from Humvees or the fortified walls of the Green Zone, most of the insurgents are Iraqi. They speak Arabic. They worship in the mosques. They buy vegetables in the local markets. They love their country. And they've paid a terrible price for their patriotism and their faith. These neighborhoods are secure. They're just not secure for the United States. And they never will be. And sending in new batches of Americans from Texas or Ohio or New York to patrol these streets won't make Iraq or America any safer. But it will ensure that even more mothers and fathers, both American and Iraqi, will be ushered by George W. Bush into the long night of bitterness and grief. 1-800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. Hmm. I would have liked to have seen a good wrestling match between Saddam Hussein and George Bush. That would be terrific. Yeah, I think Mark actually had suggested that a, a few weeks ago on the show. A death match, I think, would be better than than wrestling. I, you know, they want they seem to want to kill people in the process of uh, killing each other. Give them knives. Let them go at it. This seems almost like a, like a, a Hatfields versus McCoy feud because uh, uh, W's father was uh, yeah. went to war against him, and it seems like there was a grudge against him right from get go when when uh, when W got into office. Here's a quick uh, recap. You know, if you lift, listen to Saddam, though, um, I think he feels like it's all just foisted upon him. He thought that his understanding was it was okay for him to invade Kuwait. Um, he, he was thought, given the go-ahead. He, was, he yeah. believed that he was given the go-ahead by the United States. Oh, he States. was. Mm-hmm. It's documented. That way. It's yeah. documented. And yeah. so, you know, I mean, he feel, I think he rightly so feels turned on then, if that's the case. They also seem to, there was an article saying how his execution actually went very quickly because they didn't want him to start talking right before they hung him hmm. uh, because he might have embarrassed the Bush administration. Well, uh, l- let's do a quick recap. For uh, those of you who have been living under a rock, uh, Charlie Reese at LewRockwell.com, an evil war. Fellow com- columnist Molly Ivins have launched a crusade of sorts 
to end what she calls this evil war. I'm afraid that columnists, other than having the ability to occasionally embarrass a politician who still has a conscience, are pretty much without influence in the corridors of Washington. There, the lobbyist and his money get the attention. But nevertheless, it won't hurt to enlist in Ms. Molly's crusade. It is definitely an evil war. And by the way, Charlie Reese is a former tank gunner, so it's not like he's uh, some pacifist talking out against the war. He says, let's go over some of the reasons that it deserves that adjective. One, it's a war of aggression. Iraq has not attacked the United States, hasn't threatened to attack the United States, and lacked the, the capability to attack us. Iraq had no connection with al-Qaeda. Saddam Hussein's Ba'athist government was a secular government. Al-Qaeda is a religious, or at least a pseudo-religious organization. Osama bin Laden despised Saddam Hussein, who in, in turn despised him. Finally, Iraq had nothing whatsoever to do with the attack on the World Trade Center. There was morally no difference between our invasion of Iraq and Hitler's invasion of Poland. Two, it was a war sold to the American public on false pretenses. Saddam Hussein had no weapons of mass, de mass destruction. In, the, in case you have a short memory, that was the justification for the war right up to the day of the invasion. The Bush administration would have you believe that everybody thought Saddam had weapons of mass destruction. And that's a lie. The U.N. inspectors didn't think he did. Scott Ritter, a former arm and arms inspector, didn't think he did. And for what it's worth, I didn't think he did. And several of our European allies had extreme doubts on the matter. Saddam Hussein had complied or was in the process of complying with all of the U.N. resolutions. I might add, Ian, that one of the fatal errors that Saddam Hussein made was about roughly two or three months before we invaded Iraq, he started selling his oil for euros rather than dollars. Mm, that made him angry, huh? Oh, yes. that Can't, can't have that. The weapons of mass destruction weren't the only deception practiced on the American people. Defense officials uh, said U.S. troops would be greeted with sweets and flowers. They were, of course, greeted with bullets instead. Defense officials said the war would pay for itself with Iraqi oil revenues. <laughs> Did anyone believe that claim? Civilian defense officials scoffing at professional advice said the war could be fought with very few troops. Soldiers were told that it would be a short war. Remember the phrase, the way home leads through Baghdad? Three, it was a bungled war. There were only enough troops, or there were enough troops to defeat Saddam's dilapidated and technologically inferior army, but not enough to provide security for the country. The orgy of looting while American troops stood by and watched was the first step towards a disastrous occupation. The occupation itself has been a tragic farce. Political cronies and even the sons and daughters of rich donors staffed the occupational government. Lucrative contracts were handed out without bidding. Corruption is rampant. All the Baathists who could run the government were fired. Some 400,000 soldiers were fired and found themselves with no income and lost pensions. One CIA man supposedly said, now you've expletive 400,000 men, and they have guns. <laughs> More than 3,000 Americans have died since George Bush proclaimed, mission accomplished, during that photo stunt aboard an aircraft carrier a few years ago. The Iraqi people are clearly worse off now than they were under Saddam Hussein. We saw a poll recently that 90% of Iraqis polled agreed that they were worse off you know if if we would have if he would have gone george bush would have gone ahead and pulled all the troops out at mission accomplished mm -hmm. he would have had mission accomplished it's yeah. true i You're mean right. it's really all this is is a bungled op occupation americans would have walked away that you know i mean and big money for the military industrial complex there's been a lot of money for the military yeah. industrial com we've, complex we've overstayed sure. our welcome there by far oh yeah so the iraqi people are clearly worse off now uh, than they were under Saddam, who, after all, only killed his political enemies, and only when they rebelled against him. But, now, you know, I'm sure that there were people that, um, you know, Saddam killed willy-nilly. Um, you know, just people that were executed for no good reason at all. Oh, and his sons were awful too. They actually, one one of his sons was heading up the uh, one of the Olympic teams and was actually killing and torturing those who didn't win medals. <laughs> 
I don't know if I I don't know if I believe all those stories. You know, you're right. It it it, it could be wrong, but uh, that's what uh, I guess. There's there, there was some pretty good um, evidence suggesting that could be true. Well, there was propaganda about Saddam Hussein before the first Iraq War that uh, they found out later on that the U.S. just made up about how atrocious of a guy he was. So, eh, it's hard to tell. I don't anyway. think he was a great guy, but I just think that uh, having them be worse off now is, is really saying something. George Bush launched an evil war, ignorant of Iraq, ignorant of the Middle East, and ignorant of military strategy. He has no exit strategy. He can't even define what we would consider a victory. If Bush is sane, then he's the dullest blade in the Bush family kitchen. Those are harsh words, but not nearly as harsh as the consequences of his evil war for America and the American people. More on the way. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're kicking off hour number three, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number. That's 1-800-259-9231, the packet 8.net toll-free line for you. 1-800-259-9231, Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give away all the features there, so enjoy those. They're on us, freetalklive.com. We were talking last hour about the war in Iraq, and Spike has been waiting very patiently uh, through the news. Spike, you're on Free Talk Live, uh, calling from Indiana. Spike. Hey, Spike. Spike going once. Maybe Spike didn't wait so patiently. Spike <laughs> going twice. All right. Well, maybe he's uh, just not available. We'll put him on hold, see if he, uh, we can get him back on the line. 1-800-259-9231. So we were talking about the war in Iraq and how uh, Bush is blundering around still with this uh, this war of his and asking or requiring 21,500 new soldiers to show up in Iraq, most of them going to Baghdad to essentially double the occupying force in Baghdad. And as the uh, the article that we read last hour pointed out, this is going to put our troops in even greater jeopardy because it's going to uh, to allow them to stay and guard certain areas where they normally would have uh, checked out an area, cleared it, and moved on. Then the area would have filled back in with insurgents. So now they're going to want the troops to stay where they are, which is going to inevitably invite more attacks. Right. It's easier that. to find them to attack. So not good news uh, coming out of Iraq uh, continually. It seems like it's just getting worse. The quagmire increasing uh, in its uh, density, if you will. And they're still relatively safe if they're only going after the Sunnis. But if they start messing around with, with the Shiites, they're going to be overwhelmed. So with that in mind, we'll continue sort of on the uh, the war footing and go to the anti-war groups, those protesters mm-hmm. who have been apparently under a watchful eye by the federal government. What's that's, happening, Wayne? That's right. There was a story today in the Washington Post about protesters found in a major government database on the ACLU, which we may not agree with on all issues, but they're questioning the entries in the def- Defense Department system. Um, de- the article reads a... Defense Department database devoted to gathering information on potential threats to military facilities and personnel, known as Talon, had 13,000 entries as of a year ago, including 2,821 reports involving American citizens, according to an internal Pentagon memo to to be released today by the American Civil Liberties Union. The Pentagon memo says an examination of the system led to the deletion of 1,131 reports involving Americans, 186 of which dealt with anti-military protests or demonstrations in the U.S. Titled Review of the Talon Reporting System, the four-page memo produced in February of 2006 summarizes some interim results 
from an inquiry ordered by then Defense Secretary Donald H. Rumsfeld after disclosure in December 2005 that the system had collected and circulated data on anti-military protests and other peaceful demonstrations. Now, if you could, can you believe that? Yes, but I can't believe the uh, problems we're having with your microphone, Wayne. <laughs> oh boy, it's one of those bad microphones. It's, uh, it's another again. problem again here, and it's just Wait, stopped. So it just stopped. Good. So uh, anyway, um, so there's there's an organization I guess called the Counterintelligence Field Activity, um, CIFA. Uh, it's the De- De- Defense Department agency that manages the Talon program. And the ACLU said in its own report that that past disclosures about Talon cried out for congressional oversight, yet Congress was silent. And and it said the new memo indicated there may be even more disturbing information to discover and declared. It's time for Congress to act. The ACLU noted that the memo showed that Talon reports uh, had much wider circulation than previously disclosed, with about 28 organizations and about 3,589 individuals authorized to, to submit reports or have access to the database. So you're saying they had thousands of entries on anti-war protesters and protest groups and that a whole bunch of people in the federal government had access to them? Not just the federal government. The, ac- the organizations with access include various military agencies as well as state, federal, and local law enforcement officials. Interesting, the military, militarization of the police here. Um, now, the CIFA was established in 2002 in the aftermath of the September 11th terrorist attacks, originally to coordinate the counterterrorism and and counterintelligence operations of the various branches and agencies of the Defense Department. It has grown rapidly over the last four years, but not without problems. Along with the discovery of the Talon data collection, CIFA was linked to lobby and and earmarking activities that led to the conviction of former Congressman Randy Duke Cunningham, Republican from California, uh, Burt and his top um, These black programs are—it's it, so—they're yeah. just ripe for politicians to, uh, you know, do these mm-hmm. underhanded deals with because obviously wait. they're not inspected. That's right. What? Did, now wait, how does a politician tie into this? I, I glossed uh, I don't because um, there was money given to the Talon program. Yes, the, the, but you I know, guess, there's the, no oversight on it. So wait, money's yeah. given to the Talon program and then given back to the politicians. I don't know. I don't know how it's well, done what precisely. Happened, with yeah, what happens sometimes is the funding of a program like this can benefit certain subcontractors and government contractors. Mm-hmm. Who are tied so, into the politicians. Right. Maybe maybe there's a company in his district that uh, can get a big government contract to provide services or software, Database or, software or, or whatever for this program. And that apparently that's what happened here. Um, and last week, the New York Times disclosed that CIFA had been using national security letters to gather financial data on U.S. citizens. But a Pentagon spokesman said yesterday that such information was for particular particular investigations and not made part of the Talon database. Yeah, we actually didn't get to that story. That was a a separate issue where it was discovered that the federal government has been poking around through possibly your bank records, allegedly for terrorism investigations. Oh, they're definitely in yours, Ian. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe so. Maybe so, but you haven't done anything wrong. You have nothing to hide, but still... You have the right to privacy because you haven't been doing anything wrong. So what is uh, this information being used for? The uh, the info in the Talon database, the information on the anti-war protesters, is it just sitting there or is it uh, – what's the potential ramifications of this besides just it's the government collecting more information on its suspected opponents? Well, that's true, but what what if you get pulled over by a cop locally – Mm-hmm. And and they have access to all these databases. They pull you over, and maybe this guy's a pro-Bush uh, war guy who who's for the war and everything. 
Mm-hmm. Well, he might be a little harsher on you if he if he thinks that if he labels you as as an anti-war protester, you're an you're, opponent. You're an opponent, right? Yeah. Exactly. Interesting point. We've certainly seen examples of police taking it out uh, on other people for simply having an anti-Bush bumper sticker on the back of their car. So interesting observation. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one is the toll free number. Let's try Spike again in Indiana. Spike, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Hello. Hey, Spike. Got him this time. Hey, Spikey. Can you, can you hear me now? We got you, bud. What's on your mind? Okay. Uh, the one thing I'm not hearing you guys bring up about the Iraq War is that the original plan from even before it started was not to win the war, but to break up Iraq into three parts and have endless sectarian violence while we, while we build permanent military bases over there and send our guys over there with depleted uranium. So whether they get shot or blown up, they still are carrying depleted uranium around, walking around in the dust and getting sick. Yeah, I've heard, bad thing. I've heard really bad things about the depleted uranium thing. But uh, wait, you're claiming the original goal of the the war was to divide Iraq was, into three? Well, I never was, heard of that. It was, it was, uh, I, I'm pretty sure Alex, I, I heard it on Alex Jones that it was, uh, the original plan of the Israelis, and it was the plan for the U.N., and the Pentagon adopted it before Bush even got elected. Well, just because you hear something on another radio show doesn't mean it's true. Or this one, for that matter. Right. Well, I, I would say Alex wouldn't wouldn't put something out there that he hasn't documented. Well, now, I, why? I, what is I, the I benefit to... a lot of his facts and his documents. It benefits the New World Order. Oh, well, now, what's the benefit military? to the New World Order to have our troops um, carrying around depleted uranium? That, because they're the ones that control the banks, and the banks are the ones that are making the most money, and then it trickles down to the defense contractors. What's that have to do with depleted uranium? That is, what do you mean? That's going to kill our soldiers, whether they get blown up or shot or not. Why they're does the New World be, Order want to I, kill Americans? Because they cannot have a New World Order with a new with American military. Huh? Well, That's all there is to Well, it. they can't have a New World they Order without a world free order America. With Exactly. They can't have a new world order as long as America is still a superpower. Well, the, the, they have to. What? That's why they're bringing in. That's why they're bringing in the illegal aliens, telling them, "Hey, come on in, take out the middle class, and then we're not a country anymore." If you don't have a middle class, you don't have a country. Wow, there's just so much, uh, so many claims there. I'm sort of reeling from uh, from everything he just said. <laughs> I am too. They're, they're coming at us from every angle, man. That's, who who that's is the they? they take over. The New World Order, the Rockefellers, all those people from the 60s that uh, that did the things back then in Vietnam, they're still running things now. It's a family affair, man. This plan is a 100-year-plus plan. And they want to do what now? Back in 1898. What, what man, is it they want to do? They want to enslave the world? What now? Exactly right. Okay. You're exactly right. I want you to hang on and explain to me how they're going to enslave the world. I'd really like to know. It's Free Talk Live, because I think it's crap. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll free, 800-259-9231, the packet 8.net, toll free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. What's your issue? Is it the right to bear arms? Register now for the February of 2007 New Hampshire Liberty Forum. Panelists to include pro-Second Amendment New Hampshire state representatives and gun organizations, as well as Bill Westmiller, the national chairman of the Republican Liberty Caucus. Visit freestateproject.org slash libertyforum for more information and to get registered. That's freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. Also, don't forget to join us on our site and experience the Free Talk Live wiki. wiki.freetalklive.com gets you to it. It's like the listener-editable version of our website. Head over to wiki. 
www.freetalklive.com as we go back to Spike in Illinois. Now, Spike, you're one of the uh, the people who is a believer in the so-called New World Order, which, as I understand it, is this shadowy group of elite individuals around the world, bankers, politicians, that sort of thing, whose job it is is to, well, destroy all freedom and uh, enslave humanity. And uh, it's, been doing. it seems like a bit of a paranoid uh, delusion on your part. And I'd like for you to explain to me <laughs> how it is that uh, you believe that the New World Order, so-called, is going to, well, enslave humanity. President Bush, the first President Bush, said it in a speech that he that the changes were going to bring around a, a New World Order. He sat right there and mm-hmm. said it right on TV. Yeah, I've well, seen the, right, I've seen the, the, the fact that I, I understand that. And exactly hold on just a second. Talking about. Right. Uh, hold on, Spike. Before you go any farther, the fact that he said New World Order doesn't mean that there is, in fact, what you're calling a New World Order. I mean, because the, I understand that he said the words a New World Order. That doesn't mean that there's a shadowy group of Bilderbergers out there um, hoping to destroy the world. I. I that's not you the just same said thing. The magic word, man. You just said the magic word. No, no. The, the magic word. Evidence, you sir. created Back something. The, the, no, no. The, 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 there yeah. was something created a bit behind the New World Order term after he used it. Okay, so and Spike. So actually, actually, Hitler. Ha- Hitler used yeah, those essentially words exactly too. Right. Hitler. And actually, uh, that brings me Hitler to an interesting to... quote uh, by Woodrow Wilson shortly after creating the Federal Reserve. He, he was the one who, who uh, signed signed that into law. He said, I am a most unhappy man. I have unwittingly ruined my country. A great industrial nation is controlled by its system of credit. Our system of credit is concentrated. The growth of a nation, therefore, and all of our activities in the hands of a few men. Uh, we have come to be one of go. the worst ruled, one of the most completely controlled and dominated governments in the civilized world. No longer a government of, by free opinion, no longer a government by conviction and the vote of the majority, but a government by the opinion and duress of a, fall, a small group of dominant men. Now, this was this, he said this as president uh, before 1920, right around 1914, 1915. Sure, he said this. I don't doubt for a second that the mm-hmm. bankers are getting rich off of our fiat currency system. Mm-hmm. I do doubt order, that there, I, I do doubt that there's um, a group of Jewish people named the Roth, Rothschilds, the Bilderbergers, and the Roosevelts um, that you know of, Spike. Uh, that you know who the heck they the are. If, is just if, a group. Uh, right, is, it, what, is not a family name that pardon, I know of. It's pardon me if I don't name. know all the specifics, and you know yeah, I get a lot I, of different people not, calling and making a lot of different claims. All I'm saying is, if there is, in fact, a new world order, you don't know a damn thing about it. I don't? No. How in the world could you? You're some guy in Ohio. You actually didn't explain anything yet. You just claimed that Bush said the words. 98, my my fault. If you want to learn some stuff, there is a book out there by a a man named Eustace Mullins. And I, I watched his little interview with Norman Dodd and some other people attached to it. With, it was a couple separate interviews where they sat and went through the whole plan. And they knew exactly what So what is the plan? About. Can you summarize it? What's the plan? Exactly what they're doing to us now. They've Just like he said right there in the quote from the other president there. Woodrow who was Wilson. That? Woodrow Wilson. Yes. He, he didn't know what he was doing at the time, but he found out later that he had signed our country over to the bankers. They made the Federal Reserve, and they bribed the congressmen and the senators mm-hmm. to put the Federal Reserve in. They are not constitutional. Okay, slow down the a second IRS here, Spike. I understand where you're coming from. Spike, hang on a second, bud. I understand where you're coming from, 
and we agree with you that the Federal Reserve is a very bad institution, and the government certainly um, has enslaved the people in a number of ways, including the income tax. That's certainly slavery. Having to bow down to the diktats of, uh, of government is, is definitely slavery. But government enslaves people around the world, African governments, uh, all sorts of despotic governments, South American governments. The governments everywhere enslave their people. To suggest that there's some grand cabal conspiracy overarching all of it is what I'm trying to get you to uh, to outline as to how it is that uh, that you believe that there's where, where's the evidence for it that there's this new world order conspiracy overarching all of the governments of the entire world. I mean that's just that seems a little bit paranoid. In, in Rockefeller's memoirs, number two. Are you still Aaron just Ru- talking? Aaron I mean, Rousseau, have you just been talking Rousseau the whole time? Aaron Rousseau will testify that the words came out of. Nick Rockefeller's mouth. Yeah, I understand. Spike. This. Spike. So I understand. Why, where you, Are you going to listen or are you just going to preach to us? Okay. Now then, since you just continued to talk while I asked you the questions, I'm going to ask it to you again. There are despotic governments around the world that are enslaving their people, including the United States. Are you suggesting that they're all tied together by this so-called New World Order? Spike in are. Illinois. And they are. Who's buying up our toll roads? The king of Spain. He owns Centra. They're going around buying up all our roads, making them into toll roads. Okay. Well, that that point's a little irrelevant. I don't know. Is the no, king of Spain right. a Rockefeller? It's all part of it. He's in the Bilderberger group with the rest of them. What about the... Uh, the what about the... of Spain, the queen of England. What about the do you see why this? Do you see why this is difficult for people to get a hold of? I don't even know what you're talking exactly about, toll right. roads and the king of Spain. Exactly I mean, right. It, the, the, I, I know. That's why I'm in, and I'm, I'm putting out the information. Don't believe me. Go look it up for yourself. Have you read the book uh, by uh, G. Edward Griffin called The Creature from Jekyll Island? I saw a video on the book. Yes, I did. Okay. Just interesting. I don't, I don't know, Ian if, and Mark, if you've ever read that book, but that's, that's I've heard about it. No, I haven't read it. Yeah, it all comes down to the money. See, there are a lot of despotic governments around the world who basically their currencies are derivatives of the dollar now, including mm-hmm. Mexico. So uh, we, our biggest export in the United States is dollars now, and we use those dollars to control other countries and to basically prop up dictators. And I mean, I understand what he's saying. There's some really good They're books tracking. on the subject, uh, and it all comes down to the money. There's no doubt. You're not going to get any disagreement here on Free Talk Live that the monetary system is screwed up. It's just the that, the idea that there's this worldwide conspiracy uh, is what's ludicrous to me. You're saying, Spike, that uh, that African uh, rulers and South American uh, rulers all get together and uh, and plot to enslave their people more. They they don't have to do that. Hugo Chavez Hugo Chavez isn't part of it. He's, he, he isn't like him. He doesn't like those people. He wants his country to be his country. The problem he doesn't is, want other people to have control over it. Right. He, he's he's trying. Why he, he wouldn't deal with Bush on oil. I'm sorry to run over you there. Oh no, it's okay, Spike. I was going to say that Hugo Chavez has, happens to be a communist, which we're against. Yeah, he is. Uh, but he is. The positive side is he's trying to keep his country a sovereign nation and not be part of the the U.S. dollar system. The so the new world order doesn't actually want to control the whole world. It's just the United States. Is that the idea? No. They're using the United States as an engine to take over the world. Uh-huh. If you look at the countries that we've attacked, we haven't attacked any countries that were thought that had central. So they banks. want to take over the world. How exactly? Through the central banks, the IMF and the central banks. That's what we're doing in Iraq. They they didn't have a central bank. 
and so we went in. I agree with you, Mark. Hey, and Spike, thanks for the call, man. I agree with you, Mark. It's just way too much for anybody to even possibly understand. More's on the way. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That's 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com and enjoy all the features there. It is completely free. Get signed up for the updates whenever there's something fresh to announce. You'll know first if you're on the updates list at updates.freetalklive.com. That is updates.freetalklive.com. We just got off the phone with Spike in Indiana Making the claim that uh, many callers have made in the past, and that is that there's a uh, global conspiracy, the New World Order. They're taking over the world and enslaving everyone, except for Hugo Chavez in Venezuela. He's not in on it. Uh, I mean, if the New World Order is so powerful and and so uh, so prolific, then why is it that they don't – there are certain things I just don't understand about this, and I've never gotten a, a straight answer from the conspiracy crowd. Why is it that they don't shut down people who are revealing the conspiracy? Isn't it dangerous to them to have people out there on the radio talking out against the Federal Reserve? Well, that's true. The, the, the tactic has been uh... – from what I understand, I mean, I, I don't buy into this stuff completely, but I keep an open mind to it because some of it makes sense and some doesn't. But well, it makes sense. And before you go on, it makes sense that there are people in search of power, for sure. Mm-hmm. It makes sense that the, those people in search of power have put in certain mechanisms in order to enhance their power and uh, and enrich themselves, a la the Federal Reserve, the federal government, that's that sort of thing. But to, to claim that there's this conspiracy that uh, arches the world and there are people meeting in secret places with uh, secret people having secret discussions about how to take control of all of humanity, mm-hmm. and that just seems to be a little bit nutso. Yeah, uh, evidently, I mean, there is documentation these meetings take place. We don't know what's said there, but th- there is documentation, and there's there, there have been people photographing and even videotaping some of these people going into these meetings. So this is not something that's made up. I mean, this group does exist, uh, and, and there's several groups that exist. There isn't just one. But nobody really knows what's said or done in these meetings. Right. Like, um, it, it, it could be anything. Rich people do have a tendency to do business with rich people. And if you had the kind of money that, let's say, the Rockefellers do, you can't hang out with anyone. Because everybody's your money. always after your money. Right. The only people you can hang out with are other rich people because at the very least, you know, they may be snotty, they may um, not have very good taste, they may be, you know, not much fun to hang out with, but at the very least, you know they're not hanging out with you for your money or in the hopes of getting your money. They're hanging right. out with you because you've got money like them and, and that kind of thing. So, you know, it's... It would be it, it's kind of like you getting a bunch of friends, um, you know, who are in the worst neighborhood in town. Well, when you guys go out to eat, you're going to want to go out to eat and they're going to expect you to pay because you make a heck of a lot more money than they do. And that's going to be how it is always with the, with these people. I don't know. So you're saying it's speculation what goes on in these. It's meetings. absolutely speculation. Right. And it just to me, to, you know, to I do believe that bankers control um, these central banks, and I believe that these central banks are dangerous organizations with their fiat currencies. Sure. And I think all that stuff's terrible. I think if you outline the rabbit hole any farther than that, then it just looks nutty. 
It, it really does. And that's coming from uh, that's a message coming from Mark and Ian, who are relatively open minded. I think we're open minded to this as well. It's just that I understand that uh, you're going to drive people away from a uh, the legitimate message of Federal Reserve bad, uh, fiat currency bad, the, the legitimate uh, communication that you're trying to make by claiming the New World Order is trying to take over the world. Right. And, and there's, there's, there's these sensationalist claims that are just backed up by theory and conjecture. And uh, again, when it, comes, when it comes down to it, and you take a closer look and you listen to what some of the people who are pushing the New World Order subscribe to, they not only do they agree they okay yes they agree with us on the federal reserve but they also subscribe to all sorts of other paranoid kookery like uh chemtrails and all sorts mm-hmm. of other just nutso conspiracy theories that have absolutely no basis in fact i like the weather controlling thing in alaska that's another yeah. one Harp pure or whatever sp- Harp, pure yeah. speculation and uh, based on no evidence and then the then they get into the uh, the evil conspiracy theories where for instance hunter uh, s thompson died last year and the conspiracy theorists immediately came out with well if it was a new world order that was uh, that took him out he was too close uh, he was investigating I forget what he was looking into at the time of his death uh, but there you know there were some circumstances that were kind of like ooh you know maybe something did happen and it was interesting and everything but uh, th- those suggestions make these people believe that the new world order is this unstoppable force that it's this unstoppable group of the most elite uh, power mongers in the world and you can't do anything about it, which uh, contributes to a sense of defeatism on their part. They don't believe that anything can be done, except maybe share some videos with people, it seems, or call radio shows like ours. Uh, but they actually believe that these people are so powerful, there's no hope. And so why bother continuing to fight for freedom? Let's just hunker down and build a fort in, uh, in the wilderness and, uh, and live out the rest of our lives. So but, there's that aspect. Right. Then there's the paranoid aspect of, well, these people will do anything it takes to protect their new world order. Well, if that's true, because those are the claims that have been made. Oh, they killed Hunter S. Thompson. Oh, they killed so-and-so. Or they killed, you know, this guy who was about to come out with this uh, r- radical information. Well, if that's true, why don't they take it? Uh, to its logical end and kill everybody that has something to say about the New World Order. There's Alex Jones, the big proponent of the New World Order, or the the idea of it at least, has been on the air for a decade. Take him out! You know, and they shoot Alex Jones? I'm I'm shutting up. That's the whole point, though. You see, I have a few friends who are Russian who tell me that in the Soviet Union, when you spoke out like that, they came right after you and put, took you out. Mm-hmm. But in this country, they say the tactic is different. What they do here is they just let you talk and talk and talk until you, you can't talk anymore, and they ignore you. And, and that's the tactic they take to make you look like a nut. So we really don't know. But the troubling thing for me, Ian and Mark and everybody, is that it seems like the power in this world is consolidating into fewer and fewer hands all the time. And as bad as we feel about the Federal Reserve System... Just about 15 years ago, roughly, somebody could correct me on this, the Bank of International Settlements was created, which is like the central bank of this, also the central bank. So it seems like there's some consolidation going on on a global basis in the banking systems. And in the old days, the biggest buildings in our society were churches because they had the most power. And then it was you know, corporate buildings and, and government buildings. Mm-hmm. And now it's the banks. Look, look in the big cities. What the biggest buildings are well, are banks. I, I, I would agree with you that banks do have the biggest buildings. But 
they aren't full of banks. They're full. They're you know commercial properties that they rent out. Um, so they're you know the, it's a commercial property that the bank is investing in. I mean they may have their name at the top of it, but that's one of the reasons that they invested in the property in the first place, the and prestige. they hope to they hope to see a um, you know return on that. Whereas I you it's know, anecdotal, but I'm just saying that there there just seems to be if you really look around, it just seems to be more and more consolidation on a global basis. I agree. Of, of power. Fiat currency. Bad news. Right. I mean, I totally Consolidation, get centralization, also bad news. Exactly. But, but that's not what the conspiracy people talk about. They just talk about their conspiracy theory. Yeah. They just talk about what the what these evil people are doing, and we should spread the word about it. They don't propose any solutions beyond bring them up on charges and replace them with some more Republicans and Democrats. And it just seems like they're really spinning their wheels, first and foremost. And secondly, when people come across their messages, they come across as kooks, because all they do is rant and ramble about what they believe in. And right. it's incoherent. You know, I think there's a lot of uh, things to get your mind around in, in this if you were really to uh, be exposed to all the information. I think people ramble because there's just so many things to talk about. But I think that if you're going to present a persuasive case about this, you have to stay on point and point out the fact that it's, it's a simple. It's very simple. There's just more and more consolidation of power in this world and less right. international it's uh, sovereignty. Of, it's consolidation of power and government control that needs to be opposed. It doesn't matter if there's a group of people meeting in secret uh, right. secret camps or rooms about these That's things. That's right. We're all going to die someday. Let's go to the phones. Uh, speaking of conspiracy people, it's Paula in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Yeah, hi, hon. I'm hi, a, sweetie. I'll you in on some things. Um, this has to do with history. You don't seem to understand or know much about your history, but this goes back to the time of Israel, okay? And Everything for you goes back to Israel, Paula. Well, it does. It goes back. Do you know your history over there and what happened and why? Why don't you fill me in? Okay. There were things that you were not told, and we and there's a website you can go to get the truth, the, the actual Hebrew translation. The Jews and the Israelites are two different bloodlines, okay? The Jews and the Israelites are two different bloodlines. Was, was not told. Anyway, the thing is, if you remember <laughs> what happened, we were taken, the Israelites were taken out of Israel by the Jews, okay, the Assyrians, and taken to Babylon. Jesus tried to stop this. This is why he was murdered. Jesus wasn't okay. Jewish? Huh? Oh, boy. Hang on, Paula. 800-259-9231. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's 1-800-259-9231. Only moments remain in uh, this edition of the show. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are totally free, so do enjoy those. They're on us. So we do ask that you voluntarily support the show. By becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier, head over to amp.freetalklive.com, learn about the program, learn that for as little as three bucks a month, you can help support Free Talk Live by helping us get on more radio stations, more internet connections, getting more people exposed to the message of freedom and liberty. And that's what's important, is exposing people to the message of liberty, not to some conspiracy theories, which may have some aspects of truth. And some not so true. I think uh, there's a big difference between what we're doing here on this show and what some other people would like us. To and do. true or not, believable, I think, is uh, probably um, you know, more important. Speaking of unbelievable, we were talking with Paula in Florida, and Paula just made the claim, Mark, didn't she claim that uh, Jesus was not a Jew? That's what she said. Not a Jew. Not a Jew. We, we were two different, we we're from two different fathers. Remember in the Bible when it said there'd be empty between his seed and her seed? Yes, they were talking about okay. Abraham's there children, children um, Ishmael both, and Isaac. There were children on both sides, okay? Both sides of what? We are from Seth. We're not from uh, the other two. 
Okay. okay? Anyway, this fight has been going on from the very beginning. Jesus came to stop this, and they wanted to wipe out the house of Israel. Who are the children of Cain and Abel then? Cain and Abel were of Satan himself. I got you. There was a there was maternal twins. So are they running around now? Yes. The children They're are. The Jews and the Edomites. How do I know who they are? They're the Jews and the Edomites. Oh, the Edomites. Matter of fact, uh, there is a gentleman called Avigdor Lieberman that works for the Jewish government. He wants us dead and all the Arabs. And it was just in the American Free Press. Huh. And but what's the, the relevance thing, of all this? Huh? What's the relevance here? Okay, the relevance is that about the New World Order, there was an article in the New York Times, October 6, 1940, New World Order Pledged to Jews. Remember when Hitler killed all, uh, when the Holocaust happened? I'm going to tell you why that happened, because I'm from the House of David, and I can tell you why. Mm -hmm. It's because uh, when, when uh, Frederick was on the throne in Germany, which the House of David came through Germany, the Jews talked the people into taking Frederick off the throne. God said, none of David's sons shall ever be taken off their throne. Well, when they did this, this was punishment to the Jews. Wait a minute. You're saying, wait, hold happened. on. Are you telling huh? me that Hitler was um, was enacting you know the word said? of God on Jewish people? Do you know what Hitler said? He said, I'm doing this because you killed my Jesus. Okay. Wow. Anyway. Uh, this is like, whoa. Now, this I've is completely got, nuts. Uh, now, Paula, anyway, I've got a couple of friends who claim to be Jewish, and they've never tried to, like, knife me in my sleep. I've actually slept in, under the same roof with several of them. Were you dressed? Uh, I, I, well, there are some good times. Jewish people. There's some that have found God, okay, and, and, and Jesus Christ. Well, no, but there's, I mean, there's some of them. Oh, but so these, wait a minute. But these only, hadn't found Jesus Christ. They're only good if they found Jesus? Well, they're, they're supposed to be right with God, and they're not. And that requires Jesus? Jesus was from the house of David. Okay. How do you Sorry, know that I, they're I, not hey, right? I'm just trying to get this all clear, Paula. Uh, uh, yeah, well, I don't think we'll ever get it clear, because there's always some new, uh, some new factor that uh, she's throwing in. You're a very complex woman, Paula. Well, she's... Huh? Uh, <laughs> You're a very complex woman. I'm just trying to tell you like it is. I know you are. So you're telling me that, uh, okay, you're, you're telling me that there, there's no chance that the Jews could be right um, and that maybe you could be wrong as a Christian? They are Satan's children, and they're in control of our entire government. They're in control so you're one of, of those, too. You're one of the Jewish conspiracy theorists no, as well. No, no, I'm not. I'm trying to tell you like it is. I've, I'll tell you what, you get a hold of Cook and Spearman and the whole history of everything of the House of David from the beginning to now. So what else are they there. in charge of, before we let you go? What else are the Jewish people in charge of? Government, they're what else? Well, they're in charge of our government mm -hmm. and uh, the world just about. Remember, remember, really? what Satan, remember what Satan said to Jesus, I'll give you everything if you worship me? Well, their religion is Babylonian, and they worship him. So they're Jesus in charge of the whole world. But he just they... offered that to Jesus. I mean, he hasn't offered it to me because I know. I would know. Why do you think they have everything? But what about, why didn't Satan offer it to me? I'd like to have everything. Well, they uh, don't have everything. Him, that's your problem. I, apparently, you've never met any Jews who are poor. They're not all rich uh, have, banker yes, families. I've gone to school with them. I've known the rich ones, too. But, I mean, the thing is, I mean, there's a website you need to get on. It's called... Kingdom. All right. That's enough. Thanks for the call, Paula. We appreciate it. Yes, they're taking over the world. Ah, 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 they own everything. <laughs> well, you know, maybe we can just get a little delegation together and go negotiate with them, and maybe we can uh, maybe carve off a little piece of the U.S. for our own. If we, <laughs> if we pay them, you know, we'll pay them a little tribute, and they'll buy, they won't leave us alone. It's, it's just so nuts. Uh, just so, it's.
it makes me it's sick. always the Jews. What yeah. the heck did the Jews do? I don't know, man. I guess it's because they they uh, they loaned money to people back in the day. Well, you know what's really interesting about that? What is about that killing Jesus? I mean, the, the Romans did it too. Why don't we hate the Italians? Yeah, but the the Christians actually outlawed usury, so they actually kind of forced the Jews into being the bankers because the bankers could could do, uh, could lend money and and do those activities, and the Christians weren't allowed to. Well, you know, um, the Jews have—they've uh, all—they've been on the periphery of society up until modern history because, you know, people look down on them for whatever reason. And I just—I just don't understand. I don't either. Well, I, since, we have to take each each person as an individual. I think when you start painting a broad with a broad brush like that, it's very dangerous. Since she brought up, uh, she was talking about the uh, conspiracy theories uh, and that she's a believer and all that, and the new world order so powerful and they control the world, blah blah blah. Well, uh, let's go to Maddox. He's a blogger on the Internet, and he has an interesting rebuttal to uh, the claim that there's this New World Order conspiracy. And he gets apparently a lot of emails, so he posted a uh, a, web, a weblog about it. And he says that uh, the existence of Dylan Avery is proof that uh, his movie, Loose Change, is total BS. And Dylan Avery is the producer and director of that film. He says... Dylan, the fact that his friends and he and family are alive is proof that his movie is BS. He, along with a couple of his friends, created a 9-11 conspiracy video claiming that the U.S. government and the military caused 9-11. Take a closer look at the last part of that last sentence. He's claiming that the U.S. government, for whatever ends, killed nearly 3,000 innocent Americans and tens, if not hundreds of thousands, of more lives in the conflicts that ensued because of it. Number two, since Dylan's arguing that the government has no problem killing 3,000 innocent people, then this raises the question. If his documentary is true, and we've established that the government has no ethical qualms about killing thousands of its own people, then why wouldn't the government, or in this case the New World Order, um, kill Avery and his friends as well? What's a few more lives to them to ensure the success of the conspiracy? Well, Ian, just in all fairness, I'm going to give you the other side of this. If they did kill those people, then everybody would know that they were right. That's the claim that they always make. And you know what? <laughs> so what? If So what if the some conspiracy theorist like Paula sitting in her den in Florida in the middle of nowhere, so, so she thinks that there's a conspiracy out there. Well, they already think they're right about it. So it really wouldn't do anything more to validate their belief system. But what it would do would cut off, uh, would effectively cut off any sort of media outreach these people have. And that would help uh, prevent the spread of the message. Right. The, sp- the spreading of the message would be w- w- is dangerous to the New World Order. Right. Um, you know, somebody had to come across the dangerous, message somehow or another. If it wasn't dangerous, then the uh, messengers wouldn't be spreading it. They're it, spreading it because they want to bring an end to the, the people that um, The people that call and, and make these, um, these accusations, they didn't come up with these theories on their own. They heard them places, and most of the places they heard them were media sources. Maddox continues, whatever reason it may be that the government supposedly orchestrated the conspiracy, it must have been worth it to them to cause so much suffering and loss of life. So if there's any truth to this, then you can bet that the government wouldn't let a couple of peckerneck chumps with a couple of Macs and too much time on their hands jeopardize their entire operation by letting this stupid video float around on the Internet. I can picture you <laughs> morons emailing me now, but Maddox, maybe Dylan posted it on the Internet before the government had a chance to remove it. Yeah, too bad this rebuttal's inconsistent with the premise of his 
festival of a movie that the World Trade Center was brought down in a carefully planned and controlled demolition, and it was pulled off with military precision. Now we're expected to believe the same government that was able to commit the largest terrorist operation in history, with military precision no less, is suddenly too incompetent to sniff out and shut down a little website set up by some college losers within days, if not minutes, of its creation? The U.S. government has the uh, capability to monitor every electronic communication made anywhere in the world, yet we're expected to believe that they wouldn't be able to nix this kid long before his video became popular? He says, I win. There's no conspiracy. Eat my S, losers. Let's go to the phones. (laughs) It's Dave in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. (laughs) Yeah, I'm with you guys on that. What's on your mind, Dave? Well, now, two things. A couple options here. I can tell you about what happened in the courtroom with Elaine. I was there. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Right, Dave, you know what? We've got like uh, less than a minute. Can you do it in that amount of time? Just a couple of quick highlights. Uh, yeah. She, she gave her last arguments, you know, her, uh, and she rested. She gave her closing arguments. And um, at the end of it, uh, the, I call it the, the, the rebel side and the empire side. You know, if you go in one direction, you find all the rebel alliance guys. And then you go the next, the next direction, you see all the galactic empire guys, the feds. Well, uh, the rebel alliance er- erupted in applause. Uh, when she finished her uh, her Great. arguments, and the judge was just furious, he uh, he threatened to eject all of us. Hmm. And I thought you would just be amused by that. That is amusing. But, uh, but of course, it is still a situation, a serious uh, situation. And, uh, it absolutely for- is. Is she going back in? Uh, are they? Is the jury going to deliberate soon? The jury starts deliberating tomorrow morning. They did convene the jury to speak, begin speaking with each other. Uh, afternoon. Keep us up to date, Dave, and let us know what happens. And if you had more, call back tomorrow night and let us know what else you had on your mind. It's been Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. See you online in the meantime, between now and tomorrow, freetalklive.com. Do you like to build things? Have you ever cut wood with a tool? Are you tired of poor quality goods found in the Megalomart? If you answered yes to any of these questions, woodcraftplans.com has a fun project for you to make. We have hundreds of blueprints and patterns which can help all skill levels of craftspeople make wooden lawn furniture, bedroom furniture, yard decor like wishing wells and shadow figures, rocking horses, and a lot more. Visit woodcraftplans.com today. Get a plan and start building. That's woodcraftplans.com. 